the Skype I know. call. So that's what I said. Let us know when you're ready. You can stop. You just start whenever. It's fine. You can't hear the music. We can just start right now. Just dance. Then I'll know. What? Just what? Dance and then I'll know. I'm not going to dance. There's no music to dance to. <laughs> Which is a shame that Peter can't hear the music. Uh, it's not like he doesn't know what it sounds like. Yeah, well, yeah. I gotta give you, I gotta give you credit on that though. You have probably got one of the uh, sexiest intro tunes to a podcast I've ever heard in my lifetime. I genuinely have to give you credit on that. It's never, it's never ceased to uh, make me giggle and laugh or smile if you understand <laughs> me when I hear it. And when I was doing the. Um, don't call it research because I was aware of all the other garden radio stuff out there, but they were all a little bit Darjeeling cup of tea kind of intro tunes, you know, trombone following you around the back garden kind of. <laughs> and uh, when I put it to the guinea pigs, as I call them, you know, do you like this? Um, they, they they all turned around and went, no, you got to, you know, and they were sending me Hendrix and bits and bobs like that. And then your one came out and I was like, holy crap, why didn't I, why didn't I get the... When they get one like theirs, you know, it's, it's real. It's real credit to you. Well, you could get one. I'm sure folk are going to make you something. I'd be willing to change the team tune if they gave me yours and took it off you and gave you a new one. No. <laughs> Although they make some great music, I'm sure we could find something else off of their stuff. He's got a new album. That new album had some good stuff on it. We're just over here doing stuff. It's all quiet because I'm not leaving. And things. there's no background music either. It's so, so weird. For those of you that, that don't know what you're listening to and somehow managed to stumble upon this podcast accidentally, uh, good job. It's called the New Utah Podcast. Um, but today we are talking to an Irishman that does not live in Utah. He lives in Ireland <laughs> or Scotland or the UK. I don't know. Some fucking country <laughs> over there. On an island in the middle of the ocean. Uh, Peter Donegan is our guest today. Uh, so... Everyone, welcome, Peter. Hello, Peter. Should be like a round of applause or something. What? No, and I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna edit something like that in. It's really annoying to do that stuff. For me, it's just extra work. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> Lazy ass. Um. So Jeremy, uh, almost missed getting your bees, yeah. Yes. So so we talked last week on the podcast about we had made the decision that we were going to get bees so it was the following day the day after the podcast i feel like uh, that wasn't a we decision i heard that it was a heather said jeremy we're getting bees she did but we we i mean <laughs> the discussion had been out and yeah she finally said yeah no we're getting bees so the day after the podcast last week uh, i went into ifa intermountain farmers Something, Associates? something, whatever it stands for. It's the farm store. It's our farm store, our local farm store. So I went in to get some chicken supplies and a few other things, and um, I got everything picked out, and then I went up to the desk, and I asked the girl, so are you still doing the bee orders? And she said, uh, let me check. Yeah, we're still doing bee orders till midnight tonight. I'm like, whoa. So I barely, barely came in under the radar. Because if you miss the deadline, that's it. You don't get bees till next year. And you ordered the Africanized ones this time, right? The Africanized, so they would take care of the dog and anything that got in their way. <laughs> okay. Children. <laughs> straight children. Probably, probably yeah, no. All your chickens will be dead. Like within a week, yeah. yeah. No, no, not the Africanized. Not the Africanized. But I, so I did the Italians last year. And since they died, and even though I'm sure it's the construction behind me, I went with the, the other. It's hey, Peter, maybe you know that it's not Carolina, but it sounds like it's Coronalia bees. Does that sound familiar, Peter? Pardon me, Chris? Do you know anything about bees? Yeah, well, I, I hear the um, 
the case coming across on a very regular basis of, and it's a little bit cliched, like biodiversity, we have to save the bees. And uh, uh, the reality is when you do your research on it, no disrespect to anybody who's listening, but the, the bees are actually introduced rather than existing there. But they were introduced to serve a particular function, which was to... Uh, pollinate and uh, uh, but because we needed as what's happening now and you hear people saying again we need more food to feed more amount of people and the argument I think uh, the argument inverted commas is always when you get into organic food you'll see it better that there isn't enough land in the world if we were to go entirely organic to do that uh, as Jeremy will tell you himself so but there is a case of where, if nothing else, and in all of these things, what it does is it raises a conversation. It gets people to talk quite cleverly, and it educates them a little bit more. So in Ireland, I'll give you a gas example. When you get up on a double-decker bus and you go through Dublin city centre, you'll see a plant called Budlia. And Budlia is uh, one of those that's on a list which is guaranteed to bring bees in or attract bees in. However, what most people don't realise is it'll grow out the top of your chimney stack and knock part of your buildings down it's allowed to do what it wants to do but it's still put on that list of plants and it's only when you start to get into that and you realise I shouldn't have planted that there so there's no uh, <laughs> there's no uh, negatives in any of this but I've been listening uh, with interest I guess over the last few months to your podcast and Jeremy saying how the I think your bees had you'd lost them all pretty much hadn't you? Yeah last season um, I lost everything so I didn't it didn't even get to harvest last year lost them all so, but like at the end of the at the end of the day, when I hear uh, now people talking about bees, uh, the, for the greater part, they were never into beekeeping twenty years ago. I don't know how that is with you, Jeremy. But for the greater part, most people in Ireland that I would know are not into, and they've got into it and they've started to educate themselves. And that's the difference between now, maybe, and what was happening fifty, sixty years ago, where that man over there he did the bees and he did the farming. And, uh, and and that was essentially it, you know, and you might have had some stuff grown in your front garden or in your back garden, but it, it's probably greater now, and the education, I would suggest, is also greater now, where you've got people who are working in technology who are also into horticulture because they can listen to podcasts like yours, and even just you, when you think about it, the new Utah podcast, I mean, my standing joke is always when I'm, I'm talking to myself and I'm on the ride on lawnmower, is <laughs> here goes the new Utah and brackets gardening podcast kicking off again because <laughs> without even without even announcing it you you do two things very well you interrupt jess and all of her events <laughs> and you end up talking about bees invariably that's before chris goes off on a tangent and starts talking about something that uh, i'm not too sure half of the words even exist and one of, them would, one of them would include the fact that i'm from scotland which is also part of england They're which all... is also part of france or somewhere over over there. <laughs> there. France is a different country. It's on a different piece of land. Dude, stop. Just stop. But, I'm, but I am delighted that I am related to Brie. <laughs> That's Chris keeps saying. insisting that that it's the Eng that it's the English part, and I've I've decided to claim the Irish part. Well, you know, all I'm saying is, Brie, it could work between us, and in 51 <laughs> of the states, you would be legally allowed. Well, maybe it's far enough apart. I don't know. I'm I in the the little DNA thing that I that I you got. It's brother, offered though. me to to find my relatives. So if you're not one of them, there we go. 
I am your father. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, came genetically over, impossible. Came over and winked it in this a bank out here, and yeah, I don't, I don't think he 70s. would have been old enough. In 70s, I, don't, yeah. <laughs> I don't think he's old enough. <laughs> I'm too Uh-oh. damn old. No, well, Chris, you should say something there. I don't mean to be all Doctor Phil on you, but uh, that's that's. Uh, I can't say your wife isn't old. <laughs> I well, he, she's the not thing old is, is the he's time. younger than I am. It's it's Jeremy's wife's birthday today too. It is all of us old people. Yeah, a bunch of old asses. Yep, Jeremy. Uh, uh, Jeremy and I are old, and then Chris and Jess are young. So Jeremy and I are just about a month apart, and then Chris and Jess are about a year apart. You're kindred spirits. You're not old. No, world. <laughs> <laughs> I want to go back to something you said uh, earlier, though, Peter. Um, you said inverted commas. Do you mean quotation mm-hmm. marks? A no, quota- it's apostrophe. Inverted commas and apostrophe. Are we into the niche niche thing all over again? <laughs> like like al- like aluminium, aluminum? Is that is that where aluminum. we're heading with this? I've just never heard someone call them inverted commas. Well, I think it's a it's not a quote. I think it's an apostrophe. Because a comma is just one No, he mark. went like this, inverted commas with oh, air quotes. Oh, I get it. So I assume that's, air, a quote, that's quotation marks. Air quotes. This, this. Yeah, air quotes. That's, that's the gesture that's being made now for those who are listening. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you call that inverted commas. Well, that's what I call them. But like I said, we're, we're aluminum, aluminum, aren't we? You well, know? But that's okay. That's that's just pronouncing a word different, potato, potato. But inverted commas is a totally different I feel like that's words. an apostrophe. Well, it's not potato, potato. It's just potato. <laughs> and I think an Irishman would be welcome. No, you're welcome, the by the way, for potatoes. Uh, well, they haven't, to be fair, historically, the potatoes haven't really done us a lot of favors as uh, an Irish country. So thanks very much for that gift, Chris. <laughs> It's not my fault you guys decided to make your entire food system based off of a non-indigenous A single plant. tuber. <laughs> I have to give the both of you credit on your uh, your knowledge of the Irish potato famine anyway. Because that, but that, that's what it was. It was actually, it, was, it wasn't the fact that the potatoes failed. It was, it was that we were reliant upon one crop and one variety of potato. Well, that and a couple of other things as well, but we won't get into politics. But essentially, <laughs> yes, starts with the potato. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you have a lot of things in common with Idahoans, I guess. There you go. Sure. Do I? No. Idaho, no. the state of Idaho is known for its potatoes, and their license plates say, like... Famous potatoes. Yeah, famous potatoes. But that's, that's because Idaho is like a giant volcano-like sloth. Yep. Like and it's potatoes. nothing but volcanic ash. Did you say sloth? You potatoes grow get, well in that volcanic You're just trying to get ash. sloths introduced to the... Because he was looking for memes to send to Heather this morning. He's like, this one's a sloth. Sloths make everything better. Because really, it's They're a cute. sloth. Do you have sloths there in Ireland? I don't know what kind of wildlife... <laughs> I have no idea what a slot is, and I've never been to Idaho. <laughs> you were close I've, I've, to it when you were here in Utah, what, though. What kind of animals do you have in Ireland? So I know there's I know there's sheep and, and goats and your typical farm animals, but what kind of what kind of wild animals? I mean, it's a serious question. I, I I don't know. I don't know if there's any actual wild land left in Ireland. Yeah, I'm I'm trying to think. Where like where we where I live is uh, so statistically about seventy to eighty percent of Ireland's vegetables are produced in the region where I live. Uh, for those who aren't aware and don't listen to the podcast that I do, 
What are you showing? That's, that's a, a slot. Okay, that's one of those cute meme things that I see on Twitter every now and again. That's what that is. Um, but we're we're about twenty dollars in a taxi to the nearest bus stop. So when we had the storm last week, Storm Emma, uh, we were we were literally cut off and the electricity was gone. There was no way in, no way out. The far side of the road is, as far as I can see, it's old hedgerows uh, made of hawthorn, crotagus, if you're into botanical Latin, and ash, fraxinus, excelsior. Uh, but it's barley fields as far as I can see. It's like a, um, a Neil Young uh, front cover of a vinyl picture, <laughs> if, if, you can, if you can put it into that. Uh, but but it's, I think my best mate down the road, his dad is a sheep farmer, uh, and literally, again, you go a couple of fields over, you'll see cows. So biggest things you'll see around here are uh, foxes, uh, hares, badgers, rabbits, and and that's 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 about it. So when you say slots, I'm I'm a little bit. I've never actually seen a real one of them. That's like a koala bear. Yeah, they, well, they they aren't. Uh, they they're are, an indigenous. They're to Australian either. Think, too, yeah. aren't they? They have a zoo, don't they, Peter? Don't you have a zoo? Yeah, we got we got a zoo in Dublin, of course we do, and it's a pretty good zoo as well. I'd be quite honest with you, but it, look, it's the equivalent of. Uh, I mean, I don't know if I went to uh, Salt Lake City again and you brought me to a zoo and there was sheep and cows in it, I could appreciate why you might have them there, you know. But in Ireland, we tend to have obviously koala bears and pandas and all of that kind of uh, stuff. I, I don't know what a general zoo outside of Dublin has. But, it's not really top of my list to go to when I go to another country. Well, it's probably a lot of the same stuff it's animals that they don't have there locally we have you just drive down the road here you'll see sheep and cows and horses and pigs and mm-hmm. goats and do you have coos do you have coos in ireland like they do in scotland the ones with the long hair what 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 jess what are coos Coo- i'll find you a picture she's Did gonna find coos? a picture no coos. coos they're called coos they're the cows i've never heard of the long hair Oh, like, like no! They look, but they look like, but they they look like yes. I have no idea what she's fucking talking about either. She's going to show us a picture, and then we'll know. Just like the slot. So let's just wait silently because that makes really good. Well, podcasts. that's not what we're doing. We're talking. <laughs> They're the Bon Jovi fans of 1980s. No, was that band Europe? Wasn't it? Wasn't that the band before them? Yeah, and they all had long blonde hair, oh, except they're actually animal. Yeah. Okay. No, we don't have those guys. They're too cute to live here. <laughs> well, it's probably too, it's probably you don't have a lot of snow there, and I imagine that the longer hair is is probably primarily for colder climates. So, well, we Scotland would be a little bit more north, and I used to work in Aberdeen, and that would have got snowed in, or would have had a, a full time snow crew working probably four or five months of the year uh, in Ireland because of the island that we are we tend to get a little bit of the Gulf Stream warming, and we're also surrounded by water on all sides, that, <laughs> being that we're an island. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to so, because you're an islander. Right? It does get, yeah, yeah. It so, does get so cold, it though, doesn't it, Peter? I mean, you get cold, just not much snow. We, I, it's funny, because I built a garden in Donegal, which is, if you look at a map of Ireland for your listeners, I mean, just Google it, it'll be there. And at the bottom, obviously, north, uh, top, south, but somewhere around about, sorry, up the top is north, isn't it? Yeah, get that right, Donegan. Uh, <laughs> down the bottom is south. So so if you looked at it at about 10 o'clock, let's say, just vaguely on, on a map of Ireland, that's where I was building a garden. And we, we have this T-shirt uh, that you can get in Dublin, and it's Ireland's weather, and it's four seasons in one day, rain 
rain, hail, sleet, snow, sunshine, the whole lot's on it. And that's what Donegal pretty much was. I mean, it's beautiful. It's stunningly beautiful. But but make no bones about it, every half hour it was off with the rain gear. It was <laughs> on with the, the woolly hats and the waterproof gloves. And five minutes later, you're back down to shorts again. So uh, the, the, weather, the weather here is as... Uh, I won't say it's as unpredictable, but the, I think the joke I had when I was in Salt Lake was that my tan line starts just above my, my what you might call a bicep about here and goes white from farmer's there. Farmer's tan. Up. Yeah, it's farmer's called, tan, it's called farmer's tan. Yeah, yeah, bang on. So every single Irishman, you'd spot them a mile away on holidays in Spain. <laughs> <laughs> That's the next place. I need to go to Ireland and Spain. Well, that yeah, is where we, you're from. She's from, she's, well, the good half is from Ireland. Yeah, you don't have a half. It's you have like, like a 30, third. It's like 39%, whatever it is, is, is my DNA. Yeah, it's like the majority of my DNA is English, Irish, so. 33%. No, I think it's 39. Don't look at me like that. It's fucking my <laughs> DNA. The other big chunk of her is from Spain and Native American. Whatever. Anyway, moving right along. So, so we talked at a map about Jeremy. Of Ireland now. What uh, what part of Ireland are, are you living in? I'm in Dublin, so we're literally on the east. And you'll notice there's two little dinky islands just off the edge. One is Ireland's Eye and one is Lambay Island. So if you literally went in, uh, I'd say about 14 miles off the coast, you'd find a wee little farm in town called Ballybottle. And uh, Ballybottle being that this is your St. Patrick's Day airing, uh, Ballybottle in Irish, uh, translated from English uh, back into Irish, is Bolia Bocalia. And when you translate the Irish back into English again, Bolia is town and Bocalia is staff. So it's the town of the staff, which gives it then. It's You, you start to, Irish language, just and sorry for, for hip hop in here, but the Irish language is, is uh, it reminds me of that t shirt that I used to own, which was the, it used to say, it's not the winning that counts, it's the arson about. So the, the, the destination is never the point. It's always the journey and getting there. But translating all of the town names from English to Irish and back out again will usually tell you a little bit more about it. So uh, Ballyball is where St. Patrick's Crozier used to reside until it was, let's say, sequestered, for want of a better word and uh, hence why it got its name, the town of the staff. So that's, that's, where, that's where I'm living. The street signs are amazing. I'm glad I didn't have to drive over there. You're saying it's a town, but I'm not seeing a town. <laughs> We're looking at a map. You know, when I had to address that package for my daughter to send over there, that was, that was, that was interesting. Okay, so can we do this, though? Can we do this? Because that thing that you sent me for your guys' post, is that, is it, are they really that good? Oh, 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 those ones. Yeah, you can do that. So the one that, that Jess sent me, your Christmas card, had, uh, I think the address was Peter the Landscaper, Ballybottle, County Dublin, Ireland, as far as I remember it. Uh, but we had a DJ friend of mine, uh, and people used to write on it, the DJ Dublin. Just in the Rick. States, you can have, like, <laughs> everything but, like, one number wrong, and it 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 won't make it. Yeah. Yeah, now Ireland is a little bit different, Dale. Uh, I think uh, that's what I was saying to Jess. The postman knows where I live. It's okay. 
just get it close and you'll be all right. <laughs> yeah, most most people there's there's a, another guy down the road from us and he just moved into the area and uh he's um he used to get his stuff addressed to the pub or the postman if if he didn't because he was new to the area and he didn't know where his house was because we've no house numbers where we are. He used to just drop it into the pub and the pub would ring Martin around the corner and say Martin we've got some more posts here do you want to drop in? Martin had nipped down, have four or five points, collect his post, and they go home. It's a great True post story. office. It's a great yeah. post office. Put a bar in there. And... No, it's not, it's, not a, it's not a post office. The post office is in the petrol station. <laughs> Martin never got home until until the shop was closed. So, you know, there you are. That's just yeah. the, 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 one that, the one that you – did you tweet it out originally, Jess, or did Peter – Peter did, but we, re- we retweeted it because it was so funny. That was it was it's amazing. Awesome. It's like like a paragraph of really hard to read writing, and it's like you know the one who's you know living next door to her in laws. She's got a some dogs and cats and chickens and ducks. Do, do you want me? Do you want me to do it for you, Chris, in an Irish yes. accent? Uh, well, yeah, yeah okay, just just normal for you. Okay, let me see. If <laughs> You've got a mild edit in here. Let me see if I can find this, uh, the new Utah podcast slideshow. Oh, we should have sent him. We the, should like, have. Out. Yeah, it's okay. Don't well, worry about I, it. I wrote it out phonetically for me because I'm not sure that all those words actually exist in the English language. Oh, <laughs> uh, hold on. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So you had one which was sent to Blind Boy Boat Club. Postman should know Limerick. Limerick postman should know. And he. <laughs> And he got it. Uh, <laughs> that was the first one. Well, there's a whole there's a whole bunch of these on Twitter that are just like there's just a list of them of the what's it called the Saint Anne's post? Is that what you guys call your post? What do we call it? Saint Anne's post? What's that? What's the name of your post? Just the. Oh, we call it. Yeah, no, on post. on post. On post. Yeah, it was very difficult to translate that one into Irish, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so I, I have, I have, your, I have the one we're talking about here. So it's, it basically says, you know, your one. Her mother's from Castle Blaney, but the daughter's an ex-townie. Grew up in Athlone, moved to Ballymacward uh, when she got married. And he has an arrow going to Ballymacward, and it says between Ballinasloe and Galway. Lives next door to the in-laws. Now she has a rake of children and seven dogs and four cats and about 30 hens and ducks and some rabbits and fish. And I think she has a hamster as well. She has a shrine to the Virgin Mary in the left-hand corner of her garden. Can you give her this, please? Thanks. And, and it's just a um, simple Christmas card that says... Happy holidays! And on the back, on the back of it, he's written on post, which is the post service, postal service, your legends, and that's it. And they got it there. That is uh, awesome. But that that sums up Ireland. I mean, there's there's a girl I know who's written a book uh, called Around Ireland on a Pushy. Uh, an Australian girl, so around Ireland on a bicycle and just her travels. But there's another book, which is the guy who carried a fridge around Ireland and just tummed a lift for no apparent reason. And another guy uh, who wrote a brilliant book called McCarthy's Bar because his second name was McCarthy. So he just went into every pub that was called McCarthy in Ireland and essentially <laughs> tells the story of how he ended up at a funeral and in the end he found his relatives. It's it's as bizarre as you can get, but it's one of the most beautiful countries in the world for that sole reason. Uh, it's, it, it really, really is. And I think that post, uh, that Christmas card, sorry, 
really sums up how this country works. Very much who you know and uh, not what you think you are, if that makes sense. I'm sending your next card to the pub. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you put it, Peter, the landscaper, the pub, by bottle, Ireland, it'll get there. <laughs> and it's a good excuse to have a pint. Well, that's a very good excuse. Well, maybe I maybe that was the problem with Cassie's packages. I addressed it too well, and they were like, "What?" I, I might even still have some euros in my purse that I can put in the envelope that I can pay for your pint too. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> we've we've credit cards in Ireland now, Jesse. Do know know that? <laughs> Although your your gift card situation it really threw me because you have a whole different gift card situation that cannot be duplicated that's in the for, United that's States. That's just for Abercrombie and Fitch. Well, no, it's for everybody. As I was talking to them, they said that that in Ireland they require a different gift card trans trans transaction thing, and so you're they're on a different they're on a whole so different thing. Are you guys still using euros, or have you switched back to the English pound? Or <laughs> <laughs> it's cheaper to be in Dublin than it is in well, the UK. Sure I promise. Look, Ireland's much smaller and probably less densely populated than the UK is. <laughs> <laughs> we we haven't come back over. Our population was around about nine million before the potato famine, and we haven't come back up over. I think we're about four and a half million just at wow. this moment in time. So, but Dublin would hold about one and a half million people, and then it it tends to go a little bit outwards. When you consider that London would have a population of about eight and a half million mm-hmm. people. We're we're tiny in comparison. We really, really are, you know. That still doesn't have anything to do with the exchange no. rate. <laughs> no, none at all. Well, you didn't answer my question. So, do you use the euro then in Ireland? We use the euro, Chris. We do indeed. We've uh, we've gone off the punt or the Irish pound a long, a long, long time ago. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, but the English want to go back to it. So I just thought maybe you guys were going to tag along. It's not the size of your Irish city. It's what you do with it, right? <laughs> That's it. I'm warming to you, uh, Jeremy. I'm warming to you, my man. <laughs> so in that in that post thing, I had a question. When when it says she has a rake of children, what's a rake? Does yeah. that does that mean like like twenty children? Like because gaggle? that's how many tongs are on a rake, the little tines on the rake, or are we talking like a gravel rake that's got maybe eight tines? Like how many children is a rake of children? Well, I'm one of eight, so that'd be considered a rake. Oh my god. Yeah, um, we're we're four boys, four girls, and uh, how are so you that, guys? That... How does Ireland only have four million people if you have eight siblings? <laughs> because it's the same thing that's happening. Uh, pause, pause. <laughs> I, see, I've heard I've heard guests coming on your show, and I've I've just been listening to it going. He's going to do it. He's going to do it. He's, gonna, he's done it. He's done it. He's done it. And the guest has no option but to take a pause and wait for all of you guys to stop breaking their backsides laughing. And, and now I'm on the show, and you think I'd know better than to answer your question. But I, I should be I should be used to this. I should be used to this. I should wait for the laughter, just say nothing, and then ease back into it and wait for you to say you haven't answered my question. He knows like the Jess. formula. He does. Yeah, just do events. Just do events. He wants you to do events. You want me to do events? He wants you to do He wants to be part. He wants to interrupt you. He wants to help our interruptions. I'm not going to interrupt Jess on events, but I don't know whether Jess has this one. But I was talking to your Hibernian Society lads. So you've got St Patrick's Day, March 17th, taking place, and they said to me, I thought it was really nice because it's their 40th anniversary. 
and they the parade is actually making donations to Shriners Hospital. What's Shriners Hospital for those who aren't aware? It's a children's hospital. It's a big children's so hospital. So the Shriners are a, are a a group of men that have a club essentially. Like the Illuminati, but not as dangerous. Yeah, Such a weird much. They wear funny hats like to make sure stuff. children are are in good health. And they don't charge the families. The families right. don't have to pay. So okay, they, that's, they pay for all the kids' medical needs mm-hmm. my, my, through donations. My niece okay. actually had had her hip surgery and stuff. She had like so. her hip like broken and cut open. Yeah. And fixed so they do like they do some great work here, and, and we only have two specialized children's hospitals in the state, and they're both like right next to each other. And one is for profit, and one is not for profit. So. Okay, well, they've they've got their shimsa, which is the uh, how'd you say after the parade, you've got the shimsa, and I know it was there last year at it, and I was in your parade last year, but they're doing the Irish dancing and all of that malarkey, if I might call it that for the minute, <laughs> as a collective term of Irish things happening on a stage, uh, but to did this year being your 40th anniversary you've got river dance there and they're featuring in the parade they're featuring at the shimsa and i know they've got a gig going on where they've tied in with uh the hibernian society on that but they're going to they're going to be live uh doing a series of gigs in salt lake city and if i could give anybody a piece of advice if you want to see even five minutes of river dancing you've never seen it before it is hair raising literally on the back of your neck it's irish dancing at a level that's never ever been seen and funnily enough the story behind river dance was that it started as a little bit of an interval for um the eurovision song contest when it was held in ireland and they turned it into a stage production after that but it is absolutely phenomenal if you get a chance go down there uh, say hello to the Hibernian Society lads and um, go and see a bit of the real stuff. It's it's it is literally unbelievable. How so you, that's all I that's all I have in events for you, anyway. <laughs> how do you, uh, Peter? How do you guys celebrate St. Patrick's Day in Ireland? Do you have green beer? Oh, oh my God! Christ, no, no. I, I, so I would have been in Piper Down for St. Patrick's Day gone. I think is that right, Jess? Yes. Okay, and uh, I I met a couple of guys who who uh, I don't know they were really nice guys, but they seemed to be a little bit um, uh, bikery kind of fellas. If I if I, I, I to coin a phrase, I don't know. Uh, they 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 beards, but then beards are really popular in Salt Lake City, so that's probably doesn't really blend in too well if you were all in a police lineup. But anyway. <laughs> um, they were trying to get me. They were trying to get me drunk, and uh, your your state. I'm going to try and pronounce this right. Your state uh, legislature. Good job, Peter. Okay, um, your state liquor laws. Um, as I tried to explain to them at about one o'clock in the morning, really weren't going to allow that to happen. Uh, but we park all we park all that to one side. Um, I'll, I'll be really honest with you. We've got we've got two ways of doing St. Patrick's Day in in Ireland, and one is probably a little bit like if I said to you you were going to France, most people would say, well, let's go and sit underneath the Eiffel Tower. So in Ireland, if you were coming here, even if it was to go somewhere north, south, east, west, you'd probably still hit Dublin for a day or three anyway. And St. Patrick's Day parade in Dublin, it is. It's out of this world. It's spectacular. It's a week long of events and it's more than well worth going to see. However, uh, when you come out of the city to where we are, which is still Dublin, 
um, things change a little bit or change in fact a lot so again if you know the town where we live quite rural population about 650 people at the last census uh, mainly farming uh, we've got one uh, hall we call it a town hall and it'll it'll fit maybe 100 maybe 80 people in it uh, on the far side of the road is the pub. That's about all you've got. So on uh, St. Patrick's Day morning, uh, usually a big fry-up. You'll go down to the local pub, not for drinking's sake, but they'll start with the uh, 10, and, uh, 10 and below age groups of all of the young kids who play the, the Fat Oak Stone, better known as the Tin Whistle, uh, dealing pipes and all of those kind of instruments. There'll be a little bit of dancing in between. And if you've never seen like a, a group of six, five, four-year-olds dancing while another six, five, four-year-old is playing the dealing pipes or or uh, the you know bit of guitar alongside them, but they they tend to then increase up through the age ranks until the children go home with the parents. Some of the parents come back and then essentially it ends up as let's call it an adult session after the the dinner, if that makes sense. I know there's a Family Guy impression of uh, what was the clip I sent uh, somebody oh. last week. <laughs> it was the plane. It was the plane landing in Ireland, and all you hear is the uh, the, the clink of bottles, and it's the whole. Irish runway just filled with empty beer bottles the whole way across. So some people hit Dublin city centre for for the drinking session and the session that goes with, and that is worthwhile doing. No question about it. That is a lot of fun. However, if you come out to where we are, we have a dinky little parade. It's smaller than what you would have had in Salt Lake City last year. It's never how big the float is as it would be in the city. It's always about taking part. So I think they'd... uh, uh, one guy on a ride on lawnmower uh, <laughs> driving along for no apparent reason. Named that. Peter. <laughs> hmm? I said named Peter, a guy on a ride yeah, on no, lawnmower. Yeah, no, it wasn't me, thank God. Uh, but but like even at that one, like you'll have a couple of vintage cars in, a few bits and bobs. But it's not. It's never about. Um, it's never about how big the thing is. It's always about taking part. It's, and then you come back, you do the family thing. And post the family thing, when the kids are all put to bed, you'll find the adults will go out and then the real session will kick off that evening. Uh, but out where we are, uh, the, the musician session, musicians, my apologies, will turn up because that's what you do in your town or in your community on St. Patrick's Day. We're in Dublin city centre. Uh, again, like one is as good as the other, but ours is the real deal in Dublin <laughs> city centre. Uh, they're a seven-piece trad Irish rock band and they are at the top of their game and they earn their money from doing what they're doing and the pub and the banter is full to the brim for very good reasons so both of them highly recommended uh, no difference between one and the other uh, but as long as you're having a pint of Guinness as far as I'd be concerned you're you know you're all right you know hey, is your pub the village in O'Connor's that's the very one that's the we're one looking that you said look like, yeah you said look like a living room and it's not far off the mark either it's got a fireplace on both sides and uh yeah it's 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 quite small it's yellow yeah we're looking at google maps Don't you love modern technology <laughs> yeah, well, it's quite easy. You, you say to the if you're getting a um, so you're the, the the FedEx boys and all of those they they don't know how to get to my house, um, and you can't call them because you're not allowed to talk to the driver. So normally, <laughs> when it comes to stuff like that, you, you tell them just uh, drop it off at the yellow building at the uh, the middle of the village. They can't miss it. It looks like a house. Was it a house it, at one time? Yeah, 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 yeah. Would have been, would have been. Yeah, most, most of the old she beans and most of the old pubs would have been front living room houses. In fact, like, and if if you look, if you come out of it, again away from the city and you come out to where we are, most of the pubs are very 
small. They're not. They're not built for uh, you know 170, 300 people. They're they're they're, they're just old school. You know, good wholesome floorboards and. Do they serve food? I mean, do they have like no, just no. just drinks? That's all. You can get a packet of crisps, which are uh, <laughs> sure. produced locally, but that's about the height of it. Uh, you wouldn't like you wouldn't want to be hungry out here, you know. <laughs> I was just I looking through my pictures of being in Dublin, just to kind of give them an idea of like what the city center is, because I took a picture from my shuttle <laughs> coming from the the airport here put that up in front of the camera to verify that that's pretty that's I that was just across the bridge from oh that's heading across the Donald bridge yeah from westmoreland street at your back that's where that is yeah i used to work on westmoreland street when i was about 14 years of age but uh i think the old ulysses book tells the story of you, you essentially can't well uh, i'll skip skew past that we still give directions in ireland by pub can you go to, can you, <laughs> I wish we could do that here. <laughs> well, now, I mean, so I, cause I used to travel a ton for work and, and, uh, years and years ago before GPS was prevalent everywhere and everyone had that in their pocket on their phones. Um, you know, we used to go out and have to look either on real maps or use like, uh, I mean, MapQuest was, was a big site way back when it first came around. You'd print them um, off. And we would print off all the maps we needed to get from <laughs> whatever airport we were at to whatever hotel to whatever businesses we had to go to. And then once we're there, like finding stuff to eat, it's asking for directions. And they're like, okay, so you're going to drive down this road until you see a broken down red car on the side of the road with plants growing out of it. You're going to hang a left there. And then you'll see this building with a cow head up on the, the front of it. And at that building, you're going to turn right. My and then you go about three blocks. Like that. And you should see a giant archway made out of antlers. And that's where you want to go. My but, mom still gives directions like that. What are you or, talking about? Or it's, and then if you see the antlers, you've gone too far. So you so need to, to go back <laughs> and hang a left on Willoughby Street. Now, you're not going to see the street sign, but what you will see... I'm not kidding. That's how we used to have to give directions years ago. But in, in Ireland, you don't have any proper addresses, so that's that's probably still a little bit of what you do. There are proper uh, addresses if you go to places where there are three-bed and two-bed semi-detached houses. But if you come out to where we are, like I'll give you a gas one. My next-door neighbors apparently are in a different parish, inverted commas. <laughs> um, they're they're in a, they're in the next town to me. So if, it, it, it's funny. Like if they were to get their kids christened, or you know, they'd have to. They could go to the one in the village. If I had fourteen kids with my new wife Bree, we'd have to go to the other town twelve miles over. She can't have babies. Well, no. Look, this is a fictitious conversation because she's also my half sister. So we can have elks, and we could we could do that. I want to buy a zoo film part two. It'd be just me and Bree and some kid out of Jerry Maguire with roundy glasses on. It'd all work out well. In Ireland, though, and I don't think you're going to be real successful there. <laughs> yeah. Well, bear in mind we believe in little people, Chris. So you know, and not the ones hey, that are. I am a little. I am a little person. <laughs> I'm not even five not, feet tall. You be, well, the story of little people is that you used to play music underneath the flowers, so you're a little bit taller than that. A little that, bit taller than honest. a flower. Yeah. yeah. They believe in leprechauns and fairies over there still. What, you don't? Yeah. 
Well, the, the, the guys team yeah, is... Yeah, I really is... think about that for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> I do like that you had to think about that for a second, babe. Who's, who you call him, babe? <laughs> Just to clarify. You, that was definitely directed at you because you were the one thinking about the leprechauns and fairies. <laughs> sorry, Chris. Sorry, Chris. We have a we have a good relationship. We get on well. You know it's only banter, my man. <laughs> I'd be worried if you weren't, you know, four thousand miles across the planet. Across uh, the planet. <laughs> get across the country in a giant ocean to get to him. Red. And then find the <laughs> island. It's not very big, so. Well, it's uh, one of the places I need to go visit. I thought you were going to tell me you lived on one of those islands off the coast of Dublin. Well, there was a comedian who did a, a, a whole series. Of, well, what, what was his joke? That he was born on an island off the coast of England, and there's a pause, and then he says it's called Ireland. And uh, I thought that was quite funny. But uh, no, yeah, no, no. I was born and bred in Dublin. Mum and Dad were uh, Dublin. And I think my first time in Salt Lake City, my first time in the States, actually, and my first time away for St. Patrick's Day was when I was over there last year, which is so... Uh, that was quite interesting and coincidentally uh, where am I going with this I've no idea where I'm on this meander <laughs> but it's popped into my head so I'm just going to run with it I, I've, um, I'm going to be on I think it's KRCL with uh, Aldine and Laura and it turns out or transpires that I'm going to be doing some form of a, a regular but irregular slot with them which will be It'll be uh, interesting to see how that works out because we've got a seven-hour time difference and their show airs uh, your time Friday. Uh, I think it's about 6, 7 o'clock. But that makes it about 2 o'clock yeah. in the morning on a Friday night over here. And I've got a picture of everybody just cheering in the background with some guy with a sheep under his arm in a pub saying, somebody give this cow a pint of Guinness. And it's being broadcast live on 90.9. So uh, we'll, we'll see we'll see how that one works out. That's, yeah, it's all good, you know. So do you believe in leprechauns and fairies? Is that a... No, it's it, it, that sounds a little bit. When I was growing up, the the stories that we used to be read were the uh, stories about the little people. But uh, if you like, some of them are a little bit scary. I say scary, scary if you're six years of age. So, so one of them is is that you. Um, I mean, you'll just bear with me on this one for a second. So the the story goes: there's a little guy and his sister, and they're playing at the back garden, and they hear music down playing underneath the flowers, and they go down to. Um, hear what the music is and uh, that's it and you you're the whole idea is that you're supposed to get down and be at one with nature or do a little bit of that keep your eye on it talk to the flowers and the plants whatever the case may be but you're not supposed to take the whole everything that you think is is pretty and uh, on another one of the stories what happens is the sister goes down takes literally all of the wild flowers but the little people put a curse on her bed so when she goes to bed at night time they fill it with brambles and ivy and it's a it's a it's a warning uh, to young people on uh, what we now know as biodiversity, which is don't cut down all the trees, don't take all the wildflowers, don't take absolutely everything, or the little people will get you. And, <laughs> and so, the, the, if you read all of the stories collectively, essentially it comes back down to it's a little bit like Jim Carrey in the mask. If you're a bad fecker. Hey, if, if you're a bad fecker or you've got a bad heart or you're a bad person on the inside, things generally speaking in the grand wheel of things don't work out for you too well. 
usually by the time you get to 70 or 80 years of age. And if you've got a good heart, or that Roald Dahl quote that I have written on my uh, my office wall, if you have good thoughts, they will shine out of your face like sunbeams and you'll always look lovely. And that's essentially what the little people would have told you. So they're tricksters, but the greedy, the greedy guys never get what they expected they would get out of them, and if that makes sense. But I would still read them to, to my daughter, or have read them to my daughter. And uh, some of them I realised frightened the shit out of her. Pardon my language. <laughs> and uh, some of them, some of them made her smile. But but they're good. They're good old schooling, you know. You'll say fecker, but then you say pardon my language when you say shite. In in the U.S., shite isn't a swear. Shit is though, well, which is what shite is. Well, I That's realize the Irish that, English but translation. shite isn't. Shite is shit in American. <laughs> Thank you for the Me. explanation. I appreciate it. The Sod Show used to be on, on radio for about five years, and we were Ireland's only uh, garden radio show at the time. And uh, Brian, who used to uh, co-host uh, with me, whenever I said shite, I would always say, Brian, can I say that word? And he would say, uh, we've checked this up. That's considered a horticultural technical term. You may proceed. <laughs> <laughs> I can see that. It's fertilizer, right? <laughs> yeah, but we couldn't say shit. That was deemed an expletive under broadcast and authority rules. So there you go. Same here. Oh, so you guys have the same stupid-ass rules that we do here. We've got a lot of stupid rules, but that, that partially explains why the Sod Show essentially came off air. So when I started covering things like Chelsea Flower's show, we were getting uh, – uh, slight taps on the shoulder saying you've done three episodes from Chelsea Flower Show, a, the, the greatest flower show in the world, 100 and I think it's 106 years old, uh, with gardens costing around a million pounds being installed for, for five days. And, and we were being, um, it was being let known to us to, to put it correctly, uh, that we had done three episodes or four episodes from there. And you, you can't ignore, as sure as you're aware, Chris, of uh, Man United and Arsenal, uh, you can't ignore the Premier League or in horticultural gardening terms. You can't ignore what's happening in what is a country that is so rich in, in horticulture. Where Ireland would have a richness of agriculture, historically, the UK would be better known for its horticulture, if that makes sense. And so it was a case of, listen, we'll just pull the plug on this. Uh, things are changing. Uh, you know, your, yours is a very uh, popular podcast. And if anybody disagrees with that, well, I'll be honest with you, I haven't been in Salt Lake in uh, nigh on a year. And you're, I think there's yourself, there's the Arsenal podcast, and there's a couple of other gardening podcasts that I would listen uh, to. But you're good radio uh, in my ears because you're a two-hour show. And you're about the only two-hour podcast that I listen to. I don't know, I don't know whether you've got a formula. You're like organized uh, free jazz, except they all play <laughs> instruments uh, separately and in a formal order. You seem to have a little bit of organized chaos about you, but it works. Organized chaos, that's probably the best way to put it. Yeah. I I, I try to railroad us, but it doesn't always work. You also keep us on track. (laughs) Railroad, keep us on track. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) I'm surprised that didn't come out of Jeremy's mouth. I'm being honest. Well, you know, Jeremy and I have known each other for a long time. Sometimes his thoughts just drop through my head. It's, It's accidental. Yeah. So are we going to do events? I mean, we don't have to. Well, we tried to do events, and then we got sidetracked. interrupted the events. It was perfect. Go do events. Do events, my man. I like it when you interrupt Jess. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you did two of them already, so that's awesome. 
What uh, date on your list, Jess? Can I ask you that? Yeah, the St. Patrick. Well, the St. Patrick's Parade. I didn't know about the fundraising event, so that was nice that you elaborated on that. And then um, you being on Carousel, that can be an event for sure, because that's on Friday, and that's this coming. That's this week. So um, also this weekend is a tattoo convention that we talked about last week. Yeah, Chris is get, not down for tattoos, but get a tat. No, they still have to follow health code. <laughs> health code rules. Peter, do you have any tattoos? Uh, me, I don't know. I'm frightened. Uh, I'm, I'm literally frightened of needles. I would, I would rather cut my leg off with a chainsaw than, uh, <laughs> See, we're, get, we're than, than get a needle in the arm. You're we're kindred spirits, spirits, Peter and I. Yeah, oh no, gosh. I heard that. No, the chances of me ever, uh, ever, I can't stand. I would never marry a dentist, a nurse, a, a doctor, maybe a nurse. I don't know. I've never really thought about this, but needles, no. I'm scared to be to the bejesus of uh, needles. But uh, I'd have no problem falling out of a tree. Scared of the BJZ. That's good. <laughs> BJesus. Oh, J- BJesus. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, BJesus. Can I translate for you? This is. All right. So we know that St. Patrick's Day is this weekend. So there's a lot going on. We had Nick on last week, and he plays with Folk Hogan, who does our opening music, and they have three events. Uh, on the one on the 16th and then two on the 17th. So and Brighton and Park City on the 17th. On the 17th, and then they will be in. I think we decided that's like Midvale, the Royal on Friday. Yeah, somewhere yes. in yeah. Murray, so, Midvale, like ninth. It's like ninth east in Van Winkle. Yeah, so we'll like. we'll link to all that, and then so after you go to the parade, after you go see River Dance, then you can go over to Mountain West Cider because they're having their Fourth West Fest. And they will have uh, Red Rock will also be there. And then they're also having sponsor is Tullamore Dew. Do you drink that? I I was in Budapest and uh, we, it's a long story. We went Bratislava, Budapest, Vienna. And I think when we hit Budapest first, uh, we we ended up at an Irish bar. In Budapest. uh, In Budapest, (laughs) yeah, yeah. And, well, I'll tell you the story. We were walking down the street and some girl turned around in the middle of Budapest where where everybody's just doing their thing and they're all free. They're all, like, wrapped up in woolly coats and woolly hats and the whole lot. And there's just six Irish lads walking down the street in green (laughs) T-shirts, you know, with, with, with patchy Irish tans on. And this girl shouts out from nowhere, Jesus You'd spot you a mile away. It's a bit like that uh, that postcard that you that letter that Christmas letter that card that, that you read out earlier. In that accent, Jesus, you'd spot you a mile away. And uh, I, one of the lads just went to bar, and I went grand, and we went in, and that was that. Now we went off to some nightclub, which was all a bit. Uh, I don't mean nightclub. It was like a late bar. It was all a bit odd. <clears throat> I didn't get it, so we left and we went back to the to the Irish bar and the, the same one and she goes oh you're back there's a guy there sitting and he turns around to me and he said in in this accent Jesus I couldn't see my own face five minutes ago and he's looking at his hand like that and the guy beside him just hands him the guitar and he plays Dire Straits uh, what's their what's their, what's their Sutton's a Swing he plays that he gets back down off the stool. He has, there's a Tullamore Jew special on. He downs two of the Tullamore Jew specials, gets back up on stage. They ha- they just hand him the guitar. He goes back up and he plays Hendrix. <laughs> wow, maybe that will happen this weekend over at Mountain West Ciders. No, it's something, no. You know? but, but I got to say, if you're not completely shit-faced by the time you're done with Mountain West Cider, you could go to one of the Irish bars here in town. There's two you of them. You could. 
There's the wall. There's Piper Down. You went to the Republican, right, when you were here? Yeah, I was in the Republican. I was in Piper Down, and I was in one. I think on the very first night. Uh, I I don't remember the name of it, but I do remember there was a gun shop opposite, which I'd never seen before. <laughs> well, that's just the states for you. Oh, sad. No, I, I, I'm not. Uh, I'm not being critical in any way. Like park all of that stuff to one side. I wasn't in in you know coming over to America to buy a gun in the first place. So by the way, you, <laughs> you know, I just <laughs> I just I just wanted a point. I, mean, that's a whole I want to see you get really that want. like back on the plane. What? The, the gun. The gun. Yeah. They're, they're listening, Jess. They're listening. Well, I don't. I think getting it on the plane's easy. You just put it in your carry-on. You can check firearms in your carry-on, but getting it into Ireland through customs might have been difficult. Well, you got to bear in mind you're talking to a guy who got lost in Salt Lake City Airport, and I don't know whether you've ever been there, but it's. <laughs> yes, all of us have been to the airport. I, I used to travel four out of every five weeks. I've been there. Yeah, I fly a lot more. too. I'll be flying a couple months. <laughs> So here's the thing. I hit Chicago Hair Airport, and um, you got it. I, I was, holy good God, I was like, uh, uh, what's that film with Macaulay Culkin when the oh, parents hello. go away? <laughs> okay, you know when he hits New York and he's looking around at all the big buildings? That was me in Chicago Hair, and I, I genuinely mean this. I, I, I know I'm taking the mick out of myself a little bit. And I said to this guy, uh, how are you doing? I'm looking to get to... Um, <laughs> Sounds stupid now. I'm looking to get to Salt Lake City, and uh, I obviously wasn't thumbing a lift or anything. You know, he was a, a dude just sitting there with a security uniform on, and I think he um, not so very eloquently queried, uh, "Was I aware that he was not working there at that moment in time?" And I said, <laughs> um, "I pointed out that people were really friendly." in Chicago and I should move on but it, that was just my right wish he explained to me where to go when I, I, got, I got there but we get off at Salt Lake City uh, airport and I walk out to the welcome area and that's where you pick up your bags mm -hmm. yeah yeah. Yes. So I, I thought this isn't, this isn't right I've come out the wrong way <laughs> so I walk backwards through security and I tapped a, a security guy on the, the shoulder who was scanning bags through and I just I'm, I'm lost here and I said to the dude um, uh, how you doing I'm just over from bearing in mind I just left Chicago it's a slight different uh, way of running an airport shall we call it that just for the minute and uh, he said to me yeah no you go out there and you have a good time and enjoy yourself and I'm I, I was saying to him I could just have walked in from Salt Lake City picked up three random bags and walked straight back out the door and he said yeah but people wouldn't do that around here <laughs> well, your airport in Dublin is very small. It's getting bigger. We've we've done. Uh, I think Ireland has done around about eleven million uh, tourists this day. Uh, I don't know whether that's in and outs or outs and ins or whatever, but uh, it's it's getting bigger and it's and it it's really, really hard to read the signs when you get into the airport. Salt <laughs> Lake City, just so you know, Peter. The airport was designed to do about 10 to 11 million passengers a year. It's right now doing 24 million a year. And they, they're in the middle of rebuilding the entire yeah, it's airport. Completely the airport. They're going to demolish what you came in on, 
and they're building a whole new airport right next to it, essentially. Yeah, it's completely under construction. And I actually went when I went to go pick up my mom, uh, made a wrong turn and had to circle the whole airport and then come back. <laughs> it's a, it's a nice, you know, something though. Salt, Salt Lake City. If you've done a lot of traveling, I've traveled a lot. I've done, you know, Cape Town, Dominican Republic, France, Germany, you name it. I, w- I would do about thirty something trips abroad, irrespective of whether it's the states or London, and. Uh, Salt Lake City Airport, if you put it up there against no disrespect to anybody who's French who's listening, I know you don't run the airport on your own, but Charles de Gaulle Airport is a, it's a game of Jenga. That's what that thing is. I don't know how, oh, yeah. don't know how people get off a plane and find their luggage, never mind buy a cup of coffee and get back on a plane again. It's a, it's a, an impossibility, man. And, You've you've got some really 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 wonderful people in Salt Lake City. My first night there, myself and Al Dine went into some pizza shop uh, after we were in that pub that has the the gun place opposite, and uh, they they told us they were closed and they just gave me free pizza for no apparent reason. I thought they, like it was wonderful, you know. People are really 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 kind. That's awesome. It's good to, yeah. to to hear you had a good experience. Are there more events, Jess? Yes, I have one Sorry, more page Jess. of events. <laughs> so you're oh, participating okay. in yeah, this. Yeah, see? So, um, yeah, usually we have guests on and they just sit there. We're like, you can be part of this. It's okay. Um, so the 22nd through the 28th is a lot of chocolate. Um, the National History Museum of Utah is doing a chocolate and cheese festival on the 24th and 25th. I'm just going to put a caveat on this. It could get very expensive for you. So it's $15 to get in, and each day they have workshops from 10 to 5, but each of those workshops costs, so they can be anywhere from $15 to $25. You have everything from cheese tasting, there's fondue classes, there's chocolate and cheese Pairing, chocolate production, olive oil tasting, mozzarella pulling, which actually I think I would really love to do. Um, anyways, so that's awesome. Um, if you don't want to go to that event, though, you don't want to spend all that money, our friends at the Chocolate Conspiracy are doing a class on the 31st. And I'm pretty sure these classes fill up pretty fast. They do them about once a month. And this is an intro to fine chocolate. And it goes from 7 to 8.30. It's $33. When we first started talking about their events and we'd be like, oh, let's learn about fine chocolate and bean to bar. I don't think that the four of us really got the scope until they were here in our studio talking about it, like the importance of it and how awesome it is. So if you get a chance, um, they'll also have one at the end of April. And I don't remember the date on that one. I think it's April 28th, but go to that. Um, Oleo is doing a beer a beer soap class um, at Shades of Pell, which is uh, one of our local breweries. It is at 7 o'clock on the 28th. It's 21 up event. It's $36. And I am done with events and nobody interrupts me. Wow, we managed to not interrupt you. Actually, everyone is just ignoring me. I'm listening to you. (laughs) All good. I want them to do another wine soap thing that that I can actually go to. I'm sure they will. Because I don't drink beer. Because it's <laughs> gross. Well, and they do it. They don't do it at their studio. Like they do their normal um, soap making classes. They actually. Uh. Uh-uh. No. No. Oh, it looked like You're Peter crazy. was trying to talk. <laughs> 
He's lip syncing. I, I tend to mute okay. button uh, by oh. accident. Because his lips were moving, and I'm like, wait, is he trying to say something? And I, He's like, like, I can't hear. I was singing Aerosmith songs to myself while whilst I looked at you, Chris, but I didn't want you to know. Well, that's, uh, that's Jess's thing. So. Hold, put your hand to the screen, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, we were going to make soap. We were going to make soap on a rope together. You remember? Oh, we still are. We're still doing that. They still said that they wow. would do a class. <laughs> it's going to happen. Don't worry. Actually, they were really excited about that when I talked to them. They're like, "Yes, we are going to do that with you guys." So, um, yeah, those classes fill out super super fast. And uh, like I said, this is not at their studio. It's at Shades of Pale, which is on. Oh, like Main Street and it's right by Sugar House Distillery. So whatever that south is, 21st off of 21st south, the 33rd. Kind of an industrial area. Yeah. Yep. And there is a uh, there is an RSL game this uh, next weekend as well against New York Red Bulls. Is that home again or is yep. it it's another oh, home, home again? Home again. I wouldn't have it today. Shades of Pale home is one fifty four West home Utopia again. Avenue. Well, I have the address Utopia. right here, but I was trying to give a because it's on a side street, so I was trying to give a more Main Street and so get on your Google box and look it up. Um, oh yeah, that's coming up. Shit, I need to. I need to text Jen and make sure that uh, she actually reserves spots for us. Reminder. Yeah. Anywho. So, okay, so that's uh, that's enough events. Let's uh, let's now an hour in start interviewing people. Yeah, now we can actually ask you questions. Oh <laughs> <laughs> right, shit! I thought we'd done that already. <laughs> oh, no way. Wow. That was just the right. introduction. So, Peter, for for our listeners that don't know who you are, because we we talk to you a lot, but. We talk uh, about you a yeah, lot. Yeah, and we talk about your show. Because all roads lead to Peter. They do. They do. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to turn that into a GIF file. Can you do that again? <laughs> What's a GIF file? A GIF? It's a, a, a GIF. Okay, yeah, right, okay. GIF, okay. Yeah. Yeah, Al- aluminum. She's, aluminum, aluminum. She, no, no, no. There, it's not GIF or GIF. It's GIF. Jess just says it wrong. <laughs> the creator of it calls it GIF, so it has to be GIF, right? It's a G. It's GIF. Anyway. Anyway. Well, because uh, what anyway. is it? It's a graphic something something file or whatever. So yeah. graphic is a G, not a J. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. Peter, what's your background? Where are you from? I mean, you grew well, up in he's Ireland. From Obviously, you grew up in in the Dublin area. Um, but beyond that, uh, how did you? get into horticulture and planting stuff? Is it just because, well, there's nothing else to do in Ireland? Or... <laughs> uh, it's, yeah, no, it's a different one for me because horticulture wasn't really cool, inverted commas. That's, that's a buzzword that's been going around a lot. Uh, it seems to be used by grown-ups uh, to suggest to a generation uh, that they should take up something that really isn't cool in the first place. If it, I know that doesn't make sense, but in 1980s Ireland we had uh, we had not a whole lot going on. You'd, you'd, you'd six channels again. You know, nobody worked on a Sunday. Shops didn't open on a Sunday. It was an element of that. My dad was in the wine trade all his life, and <clears throat> pardon me, we weren't a big wine drinking nation uh, at the time. Yeah, that's that's probably a fair enough statement in 1980 so for me to end up in horticulture was probably one of the weirdest things i was the only kid i knew in my school of about six seven hundred kids at the time who was into anything that was photosynthetic and uh 
I, I'm unsure really how it started. Bar, I, as I like to say, I was a pain in the ass kid who kept on asking why so many times. And my father and mom weren't gardeners. Uh, they did grow a little bit of lettuce in the summertime, if you understand me, but that's as far as it got. So uh, I'd gone and I'd saved up uh, a lot of money, a lot of pocket money, and, and dug trenches two foot deep and planted seeds at the bottom. Uh, because I'd read it in a book that that's what you should do. And, of course, the seed, which is the size of a freckle, never saw the light of day. <laughs> and uh, the only thing that germinated were the weed seeds. So I had to learn how to identify the weed seeds by their leaves uh, in order to be able to tell which were my uh, ones that I had invested money in, which obviously never existed there. And so <laughs> but that was at five. So at six years of age, I knew why plants were leaning towards the light. And it, again, it wasn't why were the plants. I knew they were leaning towards the light because the light was there. The question in my head was, yeah, but why? And it kept on going and kept on going. So I probably got a little bit out of hand. Uh, I know there's standard jokes in, for Sideshow listeners where Peter used to grow plants under his bed and then their mom was five foot tall. So you, she used to find them and that was considered unhygienic. So I put them on top of the wardrobe and then when I was watering them because she couldn't reach it, the water used to obviously gravitate down on top of all my brother's clothes. <laughs> so that didn't really work out. So I put them down into my dad's garage and of course they then started to lean towards the light and that's where I got inquisitive and of course I had to get them out of there. And there was a, an old school across the way and I rang one of the... Uh, brothers and I said listen can I keep my plants in your greenhouse because I have to get them out of here uh, and in exchange for that at about 8 years of age, 9 years of age he was teaching me how to make arrangements how to repair football pitches how to landscape areas of grounds and uh, I got a chance as I like to call it to redo a front garden which was at the bottom of a little road and people got to see that and it just exploded from there I went and I studied horticulture I was uh, teaching at about 21, teaching horticulture at about 21. I was uh, head over grounds in uh, one of the big universities in Dublin at about 22. I was working in Scotland at about 23. Uh, I'd, I'd done everything, built every rooftop gardens, you name it, landscapes of, of reclaimed parts of Dublin. Uh, when I was like 17, 18 years of age, I've literally done the whole lot and then went out on my own as Donegal Landscape in 24, 25. So, um, that was that part. Uh, I think the suggestion at the time, I remember my, fr my first garden that I called to Chris, sorry to cut across you, the lady actually said to me, um, is this your dad's business? And I said, no. And she said, oh, is it your granddad's business? And I said, no. And she said, well, you don't have a beard and a woolly jumper. And it was this perception that every gardener should have a beard and a woolly jumper. And I was a little bit more... Um, I used to have long hair down to just below my shoulders and I got a cut three weeks before I went out on my own and I'm obviously a scrawny, six foot tall uh, Irish lad, you know, hair parted to one side now, looked like I was in a boy band or something and she, it, it, did, it just didn't exist in horticulture uh, 16 years ago for you to do that. So that's, that's I guess, a career to that point. So it's been a lifelong thing. I mean, you're, you're talking about growing plants when you were, you know, just a wee, a babe. A wee little kid, like like four or five years old. That's crazy. Not all it, it's a bit, it, it is a bit the freak, uh, Chris, but, you, you know, you see uh, guys who play, uh, the Irish sports would be a good example, or people who play musical instruments, in fact, and you know when they pick up a guitar that they've been around it all their life or that they just started at a very young age and they were encouraged to 
I won't say scratch the guitar. They were encouraged to care for the instrument, but also to play it at a young age. And you know, you all, we all know those people who can do that without even blinking. And it just comes to them. They know when it's 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 melody making, and they know when it's not pain in the ass stuff that nobody wants to hear. But they insist on singing it at a really bad 40th birthday. <laughs> There's a big difference between the two. And I'm quite. I still say to this day, I'm quite privileged that I get to build uh, and make gardens for something. It's always the quandary, isn't it? Something that you you love doing uh, and you do it for a living. And the question is always from people who are in computers or in office jobs, nonetheless, that they will leave and take up their hobby and go into horticulture because wouldn't it be great? And I say, no, no, you've been watching too many Huckleberry Finn movies. Please don't. <laughs> Don't do it. There's no money in it. It's it's like being a nurse. You're going to be relatively broke, but you won't be poor. But you'll have a really good life doing it. And uh, it's it's one of them. But I, I'm quite blessed. I, I've got a. I'd like to say some people say I was lucky, and some people say luck is hard work and being in the right place. But I I designed and built uh, two estates. One was 55 acres, and it was 18th century, and I was about 29. And it took three years to build, and that ran alongside another build, which uh, won award the year after, which was a 17th, 17th century, my apologies, 27-acre uh, estate. And uh, I was, I think I was 31 when I had completed both of those, which is a little bit the freak. And I'd also then done uh, show gardens in between. But uh, once that was out of the way, it's a bit like winning a Premier League medal. You, you, you don't. Nobody can take it away from you. you. You don't have to go back and do that. And it's nice to be able to stand up at 31 years of age and say, you know, I am the man. Do you wish to argue with me? No, you don't. Okay, QED, case closed. And, and to be honest with you, I've, I've, I probably I've, I did that. One was somebody said it couldn't be done. And that usually gets, I won't say gets on my nerves, but horticulturally it makes me want to work harder. Um, and I think the other thing... Uh, probably is the uh, and not to put myself into that bracket but it's a Freud quote of Leonardo da Vinci that he had said like most men of genius he uh, had to constantly occupy his mind uh, or as my dad liked to, liked to word it about me that I just couldn't sit still and so I get I get fidgety now I've now I've built that and done it uh, I'll, I'll, I've done it so I'll go and do uh, something else. So the gardens that I do are usually a little bit different and hence why I like to travel a lot. I get to talk about the stuff that I do, which is quite easy. Here in the States, we have pills for your fidgetiness. If you want, we can, we can <laughs> set you up with that. You need more than pills for my fidgetiness, Chris. <laughs> oh, I don't know. He's, he's pretty wiggly. There's a girl I interviewed the last day. Uh, uh, she's building a garden at Chelsea in 2018 and, and I said to her, uh, partway through, a bit like what you just said to me. I said, have you got the little people running around your head? And she went, yeah, don't you? And I went, yeah, but I said, I've got more than you'd have. You know, and we were having this kind of banter between us. I've obviously got to edit uh, half of that bit out. But but yeah, I think, I think I'd think i have no problem being awake at half two in the morning and then getting up at half six and going go building a garden. You know, it's it's a, it's a bit of an unusual um thing to do for a living full time, working in the climate that I'm working in at times i guess if that makes sense so what's the what's the most interesting plant or or landscaping project that you've done that you can think back to oh jeez i think the 17th century one was the the one that you just didn't want to get wrong uh they they opened it at the time it had never been open to the public and uh 
uh, it, it, it had literally been let go to, as far as I'm concerned, uh, Rack and Ruin, and I knew it was going up for TV stuff and it was going to be used for that. Uh, and I think that was just one of those that if you weren't sympathetic to the landscape, if you went and did it solely to, to make money, and, and there were a couple of phases to it, so it was unearthing the landscape to find out parts of it, to find out what was existing underneath the overgrowth, and then when you got there, to try and build it back up to, I guess, what it should have been. So we had got a, a gazebo a dome-shaped structure underneath one can sit, uh, which one can sit, and it's got four quadrants then off of this uh, circle, if that makes sense. I'll do mm-hmm. hand gestures, one, two, three, four, paint the walls, <laughs> and, and a thing in the middle. And uh, I remember the, the guys came up from Cork, and we put it together. In We had it built off site, uh, and they came up with it. Uh, we installed it, and one day the painter was there with me. And as he painted it, I, I remember saying to him, "Give it, give it 20 minutes." And I was then I'd say, "Add more paint on." And just as it was about to dry, I'd get him to repaint it again. So the whole idea was was that it looked badly painted intentionally over a couple of hundred year period. Uh, but they tried not to badly paint it at the same time because it was a house of um, of well regard, uh, shall we call it that? And that, that was the one I think that you, you, at, at my age where, uh, as one person put it to me, I was too young to be doing a garden of that era. I knew I was putting it up for award. And I think when the people who you respect in a in an industry that you've been watching as a child are now judging your gardens, it was the one where their comments, it wasn't the medal that I was concerned about, it was the feedback they, that they would have given me, which would have, uh, Ireland being a small place, bearing in mind the postman knows where I live. <laughs> it, it was a do or die thing in, in, to an extent. And it, it sounds a little bit simple, or as I like to say it, it was 100 years less of plants than the 18th century estate, uh, but but it meant it meant a lot to me, and I think that was probably the first big one. I'm just looking through your gallery on your website just to yeah. see some of these these gardens you've done. Yeah, there was another one we did, I think, for show where it was Morris Minor split in two. There was a flat screen television put underneath the bonnet and we wired the speakers underneath the ground back up behind your head, took out the floor and separated it apart. That one's a little bit different. Uh, and then I think there was a 33-foot pleasure cruise boat that uh, I painted bright pink and black tinted out the windows. <laughs> and uh, it, it, every, it was funny it, because we had the start of what is now known as the Ron Finley uh the gangster gardener who I interviewed, he calls it the Great Depression uh, or economically a recession nonetheless. We were on the cusp of that and it cost me three and a half grand every, or three and a half thousand dollars about every time I lifted the boat. And I'd already lifted it twice uh, and the sponsor had pulled the plug in that garden. So um, they, a friend of mine was a DJ on a national radio station and he picked up on the story that, that I'd written about on this blog, on my blog and uh, uh, he, he noted it on air, and the equivalent of Glastonbury in Ireland, I guess, got in touch, phoned them directly, and they took the boat and put it opposite the main stage. So that gave it a little bit of a resurrection. But I've, again, I've tried to do, I think you can see the pattern emerging maybe where I've tried to do things that are sometimes little people in Peter's head. But <laughs> at the same token, when you do that on a grand stage, it has to be the planting has to be respected and it has to have a, a a certain bit of eloquence even though you might have something to draw the eye in uh but essentially yeah i, I don't 
by our 17th, 18th century, I think the rest of them are completely different from each other. So um, this is going to sound weird, but why Ireland? You you said you've traveled a ton. You've been to all all yeah. over the, the world, I think, um, or at least a lot of the world. Why do you stay in Ireland? Why do you go back to Ireland? Is it just because that's where you were born, or is there something there that, that is just magical for you? It's the little uh, people under the trees, under the pines. <laughs> Maybe all the it's little the Peters, all the little Peters in your head. You know, the little people that run around Ireland. That that they, they, you know, that's why you got to be there. I don't know. I'll be honest with you. Ireland's a, Ireland's a funny place, and it's got a it's got a magnet uh, that seems to 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 draw you back. Um, and in the same way, I would speak of. Uh, people in Salt Lake City and a conversation I had with Michael O'Donovan uh, and Al Dine, uh, the, the punk rock farmer uh, recently and, and Lara as well and, and KRCL, you know, and I said, you know, the only place I know outside of Ireland that something like that could happen where a year later you're still in touch. I'm still in touch with yourselves. We're still sending those Facebook messages. There's no monetary uh, gain to anything to do with it. It's not about the money. And or I'll go back to that T-shirt. It's not the wind that counts. It's the arson around. It's it's never the journey. It's or it's never the destination. It's always the journey who you meet along the way. And there's there's a lot to be said for that kind of thing. So uh, in in London. To to differ, I, th I think it's probably fair to say it's a different way of thinking to where I live at this moment in time. It's a different landscape. It's a totally different to everything. Uh, so I go to London a lot uh, for horticultural or, or work-related reasons, and, and that's fine. And you do your thing and you come back home. The Dominican Republic, you can knock that off the list because they don't serve Guinness there, or at least I couldn't find it on the <laughs> island, so that's that sorted. I love that um, island, though. That was a very – I've been there as well. It's a, a very good place to relax. It's it's a wonderful place. I've been to. I think I've done a couple of gardens in in South Africa, and uh, after oh, that, wow. it's been kind of Germany and France and places like that. But I, I, there's just something different about Ireland. I I can't put it on. Now, I could you, you, I could meander off the point and say, look, you know, Mom wasn't well in between for about six years solid, so that eliminates that. And I think I have travelled and I've been away for a year. I've lived in London and I've lived in Scotland and I've done all of those things. But essentially, it's a, it's a relatively easy place to get out of now. Uh, flight or, or travel uh, by air is, is relatively affordable, uh, greater than it was in 1980 anyway. Uh, so that's not a problem. So it's a pretty handy base to have. And I'll be quite honest with you. You know the scene from Cheers when Norm walks through the door and the whole book goes, <laughs> Norm! Norm. Yeah, what about you, Norm? Blah, blah, blah. And they do the whole Normisms. That's probably the best way to describe Ireland, except you mightn't get that. You might just get dog's abuse instead. And <laughs> as I noted to Michael O'Donovan, the difference between being Irish and not being Irish is the ability to insult somebody and them to take it as a compliment. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I don't think there's any, anywhere else in the world where you could use uh, the word fecker to somebody as a greeting and them turn around and go, oh, Peter, how's it going? And that's literally there's some. I think there's something probably about that. But again, as I said to you, like when when Dad used to travel when we were kids, and even when I remember flying to London for the first time. I mean, I was earning maybe eighty 
Irish pounds at the time a week and a, a, a flight ticket to London, bearing in mind it's only a short hop across the water, was about 170 pounds. So two and a half weeks wages in context is, is what it cost you. And now you've got places in Ireland flying to the States for a couple of hundred dollars. It's it's pretty ridiculous when you think that it's it's skyrocketed down. And, you know, you look at, you talk to any of the Hibernian lads with St. Patrick's Day on the horizon, and they'll tell you the amount of people who would have bought a one-way ticket to the States to, you know, try and uh, essentially make a dream of a life for themselves and their families. There was no coming back. It was the same when whether you went to London or whether you went to the States. And I think that's kind of gone. I think we're in a little... Yeah, I think that it's it's really, really wonderful to say. It's not like I'm never going to see Salt Lake City again. You could hop on a plane in theory in the morning. You could hop on a plane and go for two weeks or three days and come back again. It's possible now. It's not a one-way ticket anymore. So, yeah, Ireland's a good place to, to, to base yourself, Chris. And... Uh, I, I think it works quite well now. It didn't when I was growing up, and uh, I think there might have been a perception if you went away 40, 50 years ago that you were never going to come back again. But I think that's that's probably uh, gone, thank God, you know. But it's, it's Ireland's a good place to live. We've come a long way. So what else did you think about your time in Utah? I mean, you've, you've talked about some of the stuff you, you've done, but... Uh... Obviously, you must like Utah a little bit. You listen to us. <laughs> I, I, I tell you the one thing that stuck out to me uh, that I that I absolutely loved was such community gardens. I just think the work that they do is uh, absolutely out of this world. Uh, there's no question about it. Uh, but I, I think there was one of the days. I think it was uh, the day. It was the day of St. Patrick's Day. I think it had about four hours to spare between. Uh, so there was a gig on at the Alta Club, and I think I had an interview with, with Lara and Al. And uh, I remember going down to Wasatch Community Gardens, uh, the the Great Tomato, is it the Great Tomato Garden that they have, the Grateful Tomato Garden. And I went down there, and I just I was talking to the girls for about three or four hours, just having a glass of water. And it is. Again, it's it's not the, the the park. I could have gone to a swanky hotel and sat down and had a glass of wine, if you understand me. But it's not the, the building. It's not what's around you. It's the people that are there. I think uh, it's fair to say that Wasatch has that in abundance. I think the Hibernian lads have that in abundance. You've got that. There's nowhere that I've that I've been in Salt Lake that I would turn around and say uh, I never want to go back. And the conversation I had with uh, Al Dine uh, uh, two, three days ago, funnily enough, uh, was about Gilgal Park, uh, which I know Jess did a note on on, mm-hmm. on the yeah. blog. It was, my, it was my one place. It's on your website, actually. And um, the, the, the question I was raising with Al, I said, it reminds me of being Irish. The question is, is why did he build it in the first place? What was the point of doing it? There's no reason. There's no sane logic reason why you would do something along those lines. But it, it, it is it is wonderful, and I'm glad that whoever did put it together put it together. But it's uh, it's just one of the. I got very few. Uh, I'd find it really hard to turn around and say there's a reason why you shouldn't come to a place like Ballyball if you understand me in context, where it's only got a petrol station, a pub, and a and an old school hall, uh, which <laughs> which takes about 80 people and has a bit of a stage, uh, and not a whole lot else in it. 
and equally, even though there's lots more things to do and lots more restaurants and pubs and everything else that's with it, I'd find it really difficult to, to convince somebody not to go to Salt Lake City, considering I can walk backwards through your security in, in, international, in an international airport. And the security guy will wish me a happy St. Patrick's Day. And that probably puts the whole audience in a nutshell. I mean, you're as odd as two left boots, but you're, you're pretty wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I I, I kind of like to think of us as a little bit like Ireland. Like you were talking about how friendly people are and willing to help, and then you went to, you know, Chicago, and he was maybe not quite so willing to help. The people here are always willing to help. There, you very rarely run into anybody who won't take a minute to stop and and help you. And they'll take you right from the pub to the gun shop across the street. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it, well, I think as, as was pointed out to me when I was in uh, when I was in college, uh, I think one of my lecturers turned around at the time and said the reason why morons exist on the earth is so you can point at the other guy over there and say he's not one of them. It's the that's the that's the sole reason that they have is that so you can say I don't want to be like that. And and you're right, every town and and every family has one uh, person whose earlobes one earlobes longer than the other or the eyebrows join in the middle, whichever way you want to call it. <laughs> uh, or you wouldn't bring them to your mom's 50th birthday party and go, hey, mate, meet Nathan. It just doesn't work out that way. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, no, I, I saw Salt Lake City was pretty good. I I I I'd, I'd go back in the morning, and I think um, I think it's it's. I don't want to say it's it's going to happen because I'm unsure when. And I hate saying I'm, on, I'm going to be on a plane and then I never get on the plane, if, if that makes sense, or it's delayed or that decision. I like to say it's happening today. People think I'm quite sporadic in making decisions. I'm not. I just make sure that I'm actually going to be on the plane. And even when I was supposed to go to Salt Lake City, I think we had another storm around that time, actually, and all the pl- all the flights to mm-hmm. to the States were all cancelled, bar yeah. the one going to Chicago here. <laughs> 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 it's the truth. It's the truth. But well, yeah, I'm going to... So. I'm going to vouch for the people in Dublin because when I went over to Scotland and to Ireland, everyone was like, (laughs) I said, and (laughs) not a dash. Um, Everyone was like, oh, everybody in Scotland is going to be so nice to you because you're American. And I, I didn't find it was the opposite. It was just it wasn't like it was just passiveness. But as soon as I got to Dublin, everyone was so nice and so friendly and so helpful so it seems like it's a good, a good combination of of cities between uh, Dublin and Salt Lake. So. And and you've been to the Guinness factory as well, Jess. No, so I had twenty four hours. Went. I had twenty four okay. hours in Dublin, so I bought one of those hop on, hop off bus tours, and I just I went to the Trinity Library. I went to the that prison that I can't remember the gal that we talked about that you said your grandfather was in. Oh, Kilmainham, Kilmainham Gwale, Kilmainham, yeah. yes. Um, and across the bridges and uh, some time on Temple Bar Inn, and then I went to George's. So I tried to get, like, as much as possible. I did, yeah, but I would definitely, definitely go back because I really want to go eat at the restaurant that I ate at again. But it's but it is a bit like going to Salt Lake City. You can't just go and see the Eiffel Tower. To be fair, you have to to get outside of uh, the the one thing. And and most of the times, I mean, here's a question for for you guys. If I was to ask you, not what what is the 
one thing that you would go see, but what do you think is the one thing that everybody else would suggest uh, should be on the top or would be on the top of the tourist list? Does that question make sense? Yeah, for, for here or for Ireland? Yeah, no, for Salt Lake. <laughs> How would you know about Ireland? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe he's asking us to speculate. Have you been to Ireland and you haven't told me? Well, like, I was just thinking along that, like, what would I want to go see in Ireland? Probably. Well, the- everybody in Ireland would has a different agenda, whether it's a Guinness factory or Jameson or a U2 tour well, or the library. Peter. Or Peter's right? landscaping. <laughs> yeah, I have to go visit Peter. He's got a spare bedroom, I think. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you guys can't see his face. Uh, it's no, one of fear. Chris snores. You don't. You don't want to let him stay. I would say, bedroom. if you were to look at all of our ninety-plus episodes, and the one thing, probably the thing that's been the most common for Utah is the outdoors. Temple because Square. Get outside and go see stuff. Whether it's up in the mountains, if it's one of the national parks that we have here. I mean, the salt flats. One of the things that's it's so amazing for me about Utah is living around the Salt Lake City area. I'm I'm literally 30 minutes from just about any kind of uh, of environment or type of nature that I want. I can go out to the desert. I can go to salt flats. I can go up in the mountains in a forest, lake, lake river. Um, you know, I can I can get out into a desert wilderness that's not necessarily like sand dunes, even though we have those as well. So we have a lot of of availability of, of that stuff here because outside of the, the populous center, it's very desolate and rural and no one lives outside of this, this just little main hub. That's why so many movies are filmed in Utah. You can make it into whatever you want. Yeah. So you, you got a lot you got a lot of films that are done there. You lot a lot to be fair to you. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. you're you're so close to everything. If they're making a movie that takes place in the 40s or 50s, they can go out to Magna, and it still looks like the 40s and 50s. Yes. And if, if, if they're making one that, that requires, you know, uh, the woods and then a, a big open, like, western desert prairie, like, that can all be filmed within 30 miles of each well, other. Well, you could do it in the same day almost. Yeah. Yeah, but like I remember being in uh, Italy and we went to Rome and the first thing you see when you go to Rome is you go see the Trevi Fountain and you go see the Spanish Steps and you go see the Colosseum and I get all of that and we did that, you know, that's great. Uh, and then on the second day, I remember there was two or three of us just went for a stroll and we got lost and we ended up in some coffee shop where they didn't speak English or wouldn't one or the other. Uh, which is grand, and that's that's how it should be done, if you understand me. And the guys are outside with the chairs back to back, and they're playing uh, checkers or one of those board games outside, and the, the shirt sleeves rolled up, and it was a little bit of real Italy. It was, but it was also six miles outside of the city where the tourists didn't walk, and and that's the thing in, in Salt Lake City that I think I was privileged to see. It wasn't. Uh, uh, Irishman walks in the door, uh, waitress sees the patchy tan, uh, you know, <laughs> the prices go up, Dublin price, and, and parts of the States have that, and parts of Dublin have that as well, where you can buy a bowl of Irish stew for $24, uh, which is, I'm sure it's quite beautiful, uh, and the building's quite nice, but it is a place where they expect people who are going to pay $24 for a bowl of Irish stew to turn up, if you understand me. So, uh, But that's it. When you come out to where we live, it's obviously a little bit more rural. You don't get as many tourists, but it's a little bit more the real deal. And I always say to people, go into Dublin, do two, three days. 
come back out, go see somewhere else, travel down the West Coast. It's magical out there. You see it. The West Coast is unreal in Ireland. I've never seen pictures like it. You go see the Cliffs of Moher or the Giant's Causeway, which are essentially, uh, what what did I say to somebody when I was in Salt Lake City? I said, outside of the people, uh, we inherited the landscape shaped by nature, Mm. and it's about all we have. And if you like it on the worst day in the planet, if you like it literally when it's lashing out of the heavens, uh, and then the sun comes out, and you see that, that, uh, I'm going to paint a stereotypical leprechaun green point picture here now <laughs> but you see the rainbow shining across Malin head and there is no more beautiful place in the world when it when it when I say when it happens <laughs> uh, but at the same token it, it is that that's that's really all we have it's a funny one there's, there's a, a half marathon that I do on Inish Moore I'm going to make myself all sound saintly now and it's not for that reason that I that I uh, say it uh, but it's for the, the children's hospital where my daughter would have uh, spent a bit of time and uh, there they did a uh, uh, when we went to do the half marathon I think it was about three four years ago uh, they said they changed the route mm-hmm. so the, the the island is shaped and I, I, for those listening at home I'm not slagging the people of Inishmore uh, off but Inishmore because you know Father Ted that's the island that is famed for the, <laughs> it's the island that is famed for the filming of Father Ted so it's shaped I, I, it's not shaped like a, it's shaped a bit like a croissant uh, if that makes sense to you so they used to do it from let's say about the middle and you'd go up to the top either left you'd go to the top let's say right and then down around the coastline but they changed the route one year where you just went from the middle point up to the end and then you walk back again. And I said to one of the girls, I said, how come we're not allowed to go the coastline? And she said, the road fell off. And that was the answer. <laughs> I said, what do you mean it fell off? And she said, it fell off. I said, where did it fall off to? And she went, she, she was looking at me like, what type of Egypt are you? And then I was, somebody said to me, the road just fell off and I fell into the sea in the bad storm, which is a, which is a true story. But Inishmore... <laughs> Uh, Inishmore, that island, that is absolutely uh, wonderful. It really, really, really is. It gets, uh, it's, it's obviously got the Father Ted um, connection, and it's funny. There's three islands connected to that. Uh, I think it's Inishmore, Inishman, and Inishir. Inish being island, uh, Inishmore, more being the bigger of the three. So more is big, so Inish is island. So the big island, the bigger of the three. But I think it was uh, two of the islands. Wikipedia will tell you they played a football tournament against each other to see who could claim the title of being the island. And most famed for Father Ted. <laughs> <laughs> that's there good you go. Stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. That's good. Okay, so in in America, spring is coming. We were joking because it was here for a couple of weeks and left. Um, but just just in general, do you what kind of advice would you give uh, our listeners uh, for the spring coming in in terms of gardening? Uh, fail. And, and keep failing and fail miserably. Oh, and I get do it that wrong. well. That's how you learn. Yeah. It's I, how you I learn. Kill it. It's every true. plant I own. I gave it. I gave a talk uh, years ago. Uh, not a years ago. Last year, funnily enough. So it's it's not years ago. It's that months ago. ago. And um, uh, in it, I was explaining. One of the girls said to me, "How do you know that you shouldn't do that?" I said, "Look, the only reason all experts know that you shouldn't do something is because they've done it themselves and got it so." 
horribly wrong. And that's the only way you can prove it. But I said, if you go into horticulture with a sort of a science brain on you, you would plant something in nothing. You plant it in something with a 50-50 mix. You plant it in something in a zero to 100 mix and so on and so forth. So you, you, have, a, you have a test uh, uh, to relate to where should all factors go not according to plan essentially you refer to that one and uh, and that's essentially it get it wrong just stick it in the ground and if, if it doesn't work for you that's that's a okay it's funny because that's what I told Chris last year when we were talking about his garden and he was asking what should I plant and I said I don't know try three or four different things whatever it grows that's what worked yeah some of them didn't grow I plant something new like I, different every year I got like one one butternut squash out of like three plants <laughs> there's no there's no financial gain to to grow on your own really unless it's a fruit tree and i always split it down to two things there's what is considered farming and money loss making on a domestic scale <laughs> and, and that's and that's essentially it and when you take out the farming miniature agriculture loss making scheme uh which is essentially home gardening you plant a fruit tree and it's it's like the, the the puppy that you never you always give him dogs abuse. You never throw a stick, and he just wakes up the next morning and says, "But I love you," <laughs> and that's it. It comes back every single year. So there's about 35 uh, fruit trees in my own garden at the minute: uh, apples, uh, some figs, mm, uh, plum trees, etc. All of the easy stuff to grow, and then it's split to herbs, so parsley and. None of the stuff that you might use a little bit of. I mean, parsley and chives and uh, garlic and stuff like that, stuff that you would use a lot of. And then after that, what you find is you've got about 20%, which is uh, stuff that can go wrong. So chilies, uh, salad crops, salad leaves, etc., etc. But it's not intensive farming. It's actually quite easy to, to do when you break it down into that. I think that the thing that most people get wrong is they they turn around and they do the Dylan Moran joke, you know, we're going to get the children touched, we're going to get solar-powered toilets, we're, you know, <laughs> everything's going to be super green, we, you know. There was, a, I mean, the, the gas one was, I wrote an article years ago on uh, how the, the crest and the wave of grow your own comes and goes, and predominantly it happens after uh, world wars in UK, uh, Europe-wide areas where in times of frugality you have to learn how to grow your own it's now a necessity and in times of economic recession that tends to come back but there's obviously people who sell uh, what I described as they used to have a, a brand of compost and that was um, uh, how do I legally say this it may have had miraculous powers let's call it that <laughs> and, uh, and it would cost about eight quid eight dollars or so for for a bag that was maybe about the size of a you know two, three bags of flour, which is, that's peanuts as far as I'm concerned. But they've got three of these. They go in the supermarket and he's buying three of these. He's got a pot for $24 and he's got a bag of a net potato seed for $3. And it's all about $50. But you can buy like a seven and a half kg bag of potatoes at the time for $6. <laughs> and I just didn't get the maths in it. And the point I made in the lecture hall was it is the most expensive uh, two kg pot of potatoes that you've ever seen in your life in, in ratio and tandem. And it becomes, it does go cyclical. If you talk to the uh, seed companies in the in the UK, they'll tell you that at this moment in time, flowering uh, seeds of plants that will produce flowers are on the increase. So in times of when we're feeling a little bit flush, 
Chris buys Bree a bouquet of flowers and says, here you go, honey. Look what I got you. I'm the man of your dreams. See? Yeah. <laughs> and in times of frugality, he says, in times of frugality, Chris turns around and says, here, I got you a bag of potatoes. That's, <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. I like potatoes. Yeah. It's like a, well, it's like I, I said to Jeremy when I, I did the garden last year. I want minimal effort because I don't really enjoy being out in the garden all the time. I don't enjoy pulling weeds. Um, I want something that's going to grow with minimal effort. And I think all in, I spent maybe 20 bucks, and I, I easily got that much in cucumbers. <laughs> you you got to do you got to do the cheater's guide to grow your own. You have to box. Uh, you have to box clever. And, and I think Jeremy will will uh, will agree with me on this one. There isn't a whole lot to grow in fruit. If you're living in South Africa and you're growing lemon trees or orange trees, you plant the tree, you pick the lemon, and that's about the height of it. There's not a give or take. There's not a fat lot more maintenance to it. If you're growing apples, it's the same thing. In Ireland, we wouldn't be able, we wouldn't have to climb up for growing lemon trees outside. But cooking apples and that kind of stuff grows extremely well. But anywhere where you're getting into digging in the ground, that's probably pushing it. That's that's a guy who's building gardens is expected to come home and maintain a, a one acre garden. That's you're you're back into farming. You'd end up a very lonely guy sitting in a pot and shed rocking back and forward, <laughs> playing the new Utah podcast on repeat, saying, "Where did it all go wrong for me? Why are they laughing at Jess? Why won't they let her say all of her events? I don't like this anymore. I need to suck on an apricot. But yeah, it's all going wrong." <laughs> <laughs> oh my god do you guys have any other questions for Peter uh, or does Peter have any questions for us oh yeah, yeah. do you have any questions for us yeah I don't think uh, no I was brewing on this and I was asked uh, yesterday so the the, the sod show isn't uh, uh, sponsored which isn't a, a point it was something that happened I think I'd written something on the uh, sod show website and Jess picked up on it and said, we might copy that and put something up on the the new Utah so, uh, site. And I think essentially it was a case of people that uh, – I don't know how the whole internet thing works for the greater part. Uh, I, I, I put something up which I think sits quite well in my head. Uh, I'll stick to that old Roald Dahl quote of, of sunbeams and sunshine. Uh and I think a lot of people or some people scratch their head and wonder why I do the the thing that I do, which I gather uh, without getting too big headed is is successful for whatever that's worth. It's not financial success, but I know like Gardens Illustrated, which is the top selling magazine in the UK, they listed in their top six best podcasts of 2018 and I'm I remember like getting this text message going oh congratulations and I'm going well it, you, I was trying to say what I was trying to say was I don't earn any more money whether it's in the top six or the top 600 or the top one it it's a, it's a an immaterial uh miniature invisible trophy if that makes any sense to you and you as a collective are one of the unusuals because I can't do a a Simon Garfunkel. I can't split up with myself. I'm on my own, if you understand me. <laughs> you're, you're a you're a you're a you're a quartet. You're like a, a barbershop band. And if one of you goes, you lose the tenor or the the guy who does the bass bits. And uh, and I, I think that the one question in my head was when people say to me, "How do I? How or why do I do it?" Then my head always say, "It says, well, 
you should go and ask the new Utah lads. And they said, why? I said, because there's four of them. I said, the thing is usually an hour plus heading towards two at, at times. I'm only a half hour. You're a half. You're you're a lot longer than me. Chris does all the editing. You've got a lot more costs if microphones break, if stuff goes askew. When you did your outside reporting at the uh, the Comic Con uh, festival, wasn't it? Did you yeah. do two of them? Yeah, we but did. We, we we've done some stuff with the remote mic there, and we've done the, the Halloween, Halloween Expo. Expo. Yeah, like that was really good stuff. But you do have to scratch your head and go, like, why are why why are like my head saying like why are a bunch of grown to put an American kind of an American phrase that uh, Ron Finley said to me you know why is why is a bunch of grown ass guys doing this thing and 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 it, that's the question that why like why do you do it and there's no um, there's no real answer of which you can turn around and say I you know I I have something uh, that is an object in return be it financial or other it does it doesn't exist so it's no. not really a question but it's more it but it also is a question and I hope my random uh, gibberish uh, elongated sentences uh, make <laughs> make some form of sense to you but it's a it's a high praise anyway nonetheless for doing what you're doing because you you do make me smile a lot and I'm I'm very grateful for that. Well, I mean, we, we've all said multiple times, you know, we don't make money on this. This is a hobby for us. This is something that, uh, you know, we put money into. Um, and and we, we do what we do because we enjoy it and because we feel like we get something out of it in terms of um, just the joy of doing it, I guess. I like giving back to the community, yeah. like being being a brand ambassador for Utah and all of the... Yeah really awesome people that are here that, you know, whether they've been on every podcast in Salt Lake, hopefully, you know, we're giving them an opportunity to talk about what they love and maybe something they haven't talked about before. So, well, I think it gives us an opportunity to meet a lot of people we wouldn't have met otherwise, like, like you or, or some of the authors we've met, the chocolatiers, the, the brewmasters, art, yeah. Just all the people that we've gotten a chance to meet is is great, and and once a week as friends we sit around and and bullshit. <laughs> people listen to it and hopefully laugh, and and you know it's it's a scheduled thing that we we don't have to do, but we kind of have to do, and so we take our time and make sure we do it. Where I know just as as friends just before we did this podcast, it's, it's easy to just get too busy and go months and months with without being able to see each other because we've just got so much going on in our lives. So it's kind of nice to just have an excuse to sit around with these three and chat about what's going on and, and laugh about it and sometimes have that fifth person, you know, throw in their life experiences and laugh about that too. And maybe it's a good additive or not, but we've always kind of went into this like we don't really care what other people think. We're doing what we want. We're talking to the people we want to talk to about the things we want to talk to. So it's, I mean, for us, it's just four people sitting in Chris's basement talking into microphones. <laughs> well, you, you, do, you do it very well. Sorry, Jess, for cutting across it. Like, you do do it very well. And I've, the one thing that was said to me about audio is you can't pretend that you've got a kind heart when you're on the radio. You either do or you don't. It either, <laughs> it either, it, well, there's no other, uh, none of your, your other senses are being used. You're not, it's not looking at a television where you're distracted, even though your man's voice is a bit croaky. He's a very good dancer. Uh, you know, it's not. <laughs> 
you know, jazz hands. It's not one of them. Um, but, but you do do it very well. And, and it's still, uh, I mean, what, many episodes, what are you just doing? One, one a week at this stage game, so 52 yeah. almost episodes later. And it still makes me giggle when Chris interrupts Jess doing events. And, and Jess knows that I have such regard for her. And I feel half my head goes off, Peter, you shouldn't be laughing at Chris doing that. It's Jess. And the other half, half my head goes, yeah, but it's also hilariously funny when he does it. I think there's also, for me personally, since I'm out there networking and, and talking to people and, and writing these things, it's really self-satisfying when I see people going to the places we've talked about or, you know, like we went to that restaurant, Pretty Bird. And after we posted about it, seeing my friends on Facebook liking it, like that was just, that was really cool. So. Yeah. The, the, the dentist guy actually that you had on uh, beforehand, I, I liked him. He was a, he was a good guy. I liked the fact that he did, was that he did a free uh, he opened. He opened up the place for free. Was it once? Once a year? Yep, for one day a, a year? Yep. The first Saturday of every May, they open up their uh, their shop. <laughs> they open up their uh, office, and people can come in and and get either like either a cavity or a tooth pulled. You know, something something that maybe somebody that doesn't have the opportunity otherwise can do. And we'll actually have his brother, who was supposed to be on with us. Uh, come in in a few weeks and talk about it again so yeah it's it look it's the stories like that uh about towns and cities and uh i know the um not not to talk about myself for self-talking sake if that any makes sense to you but uh i know i get to interview uh people who build gardens at chelsea or do things that are fantastic and and in the the limelight uh, but I also like the fact that somewhere in between I get to drop in a person who's just doing something in the community for no apparent reason other than I think you probably do it a lot better than I do in that department. Uh, but you're I think you've probably hit the nail on the head where if uh, the expletives were eliminated, you'd be a really good radio show. Uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know whether that's a compliment or not, or, or at least it's intended to be one. But you're you're quite easy to listen to, and there's not a whole lot of uh, quartets tend to do it quite well uh, for an hour and a half, two hours solids. In your to your very much to your credit, you've you've got a good uh, you've got a good way of act of 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 knocking it out. I think there's the um, there's the famous little clip of uh, the Beatles hitting. Uh, the states for the first time, and, and they're asked, um, you know, what do you, what have you got to say back to the quote that you're just a, a bunch of little Elvises, and they go, it's not true. <laughs> 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 and uh, but the way they all, like it all, it almost automatically happens if you if you YouTube it, it almost automatically happens to all four of them collectively, almost at the same time. You can tell that they're on the same page, and there's a little bit of regard and a little bit of respect for each other. But yeah, yeah, you seem to have that. It's uh, it's good, it's good. I'm a big, I'm a big fan. Uh, I'm a big fan. Chris, touch my hand. Touch <laughs> 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 to the, the cameras. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> okay, Peter. So I know you already talked about we we did your one thing, the the Gilgal Gardens. But what is another thing um, 
Now that you know, you're officially, I guess. Yeah, you know, you been you spent some time here. What what's another thing that you would tell people they really ought to do while he, while they're here? Can you you're, you're put you're put you're put as an outsider, uh, on a, or or as a person who's never been to the states before. Your pub scene is is uh, is very different to to Ireland, and um, I know Ireland can have the, the the Peter Griffin Family Guy reputation <laughs> for uh, Ireland and pubs and drinking and all that stuff, but but on a, on a very serious note, it was. It was surreal to walk into a pub on St. Patrick's Day and uh, I can't hand my license in because it's an Irish uh, driving license. So I've got to give my passport and the number on the bottom of my passport is like 112,000 digits. And uh, the dude at the, che- at the check-in, what do you call it, the, that person? The, at the, the, the doorman or the bouncer? You got you got a doorman who writes down all the numbers, so they're writing down all the number, and of course the cues are right behind me, and they're, and I just you know sorry about that, in an, obviously in an Irish accent, and they, they 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 you know they were all behind me with, you just scan the thing, don't you? Isn't that what you do? You scan it? Yes, yeah. now they yeah, do. We do now. Okay, so they, they just get there scanned, and I'm like delaying the whole queue the whole way through. That's 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 fine. But I took a photograph and sent it to one of the lads saying it's St. Patrick's night in Salt Lake City uh, and I've got a queue. I had to queue outside to get in. And, and he said, text me back saying, like, the place is empty. If you were in Dublin uh, on St. Patrick's night, I mean, the, the, this is true. This is a really true story. I remember being in Dublin city centre on St. Patrick's night. I, I, I put my hand up in the air as you're looking at me now. I'm probably two metres from the bar. I put my hand up in the air and just hold up four fingers. The barman nods to me. I hand the money to the guy in front of me. The money goes across the bar. The four points come across, back across the bar. I hand them to the lads behind me. <laughs> and then my change comes back. I give your man a thumbs up. He gives me a bit of a semi-salute. And that's how you order it. And the places, you, you can't, you can, you know, shuffle through if you understand me. But that would be nothing new. And so when I got to... Uh, Piper down, they were saying, "Gosh, it's busy. We can't let any more people in." And I went, "Where's what? What?" Like, <laughs> and there's a there's an orderly queue uh, at at the bar, uh, which I, I mean I have to give you credit for it. But uh, an orderly queue at the bar would never happen in Ireland. It's 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 not that people would be rude, and it's not a criticism. It's just that things are. Uh, a little bit different uh, in in the way they're done, and I think in fact it was Piper Down had replicated upstairs on on the roof. Have they replicated St James's Gate from Dublin, where Guinness is made up there? And the guy brought me upstairs to see it. It was it was like it was un freaking believable for me to turn around and say, "This is how they do it." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I was out for a pint last night. One of the lads picked me up. We drove down the bottom. And uh, the, when I got in, the barman, Martin, put the pint on the counter. And I said, oh, thanks, Martin. How did you know I was coming in the door? And he went, oh, I just saw the Jeep turning around and I thought it was you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm not saying it happens in every pub, but in in your own place, it just, it as I said, it was just a little bit different. We wouldn't really have... Uh, the way the way the um, uh, the, the service uh, ladies were were with the aprons, and I found the tipping thing. 
uh, really uh, th- that was all new. <laughs> it was really it was really new to me, and I was trying to calculate what ten percent of uh, or twenty percent was, and then I didn't know whether everything was okay, and if you left thirty percent or I, 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 it was really confusing. It was like trying to change a currency over again for me because you wouldn't normally tip your barman in Dublin. Uh, but if I was in Dublin city centre, you wouldn't do it. In my local pub, every now and again, you'd turn around to the barman and you might say, listen, throw one into the holiday fund and you throw a fiver in and, you, you know, whatever the case may be. But uh, but waiting staff, if it was $19, and you gave them 20, you might tell them keep the one. But I, I didn't know whether to give them. You know, I didn't know whether to say keep one or whether I had to do 10% and find another $1 to give them. I, I'd known, I mean, it was a really, I was a total big Egypt in a big city uh, or what felt like a big city to me. You know why that is, don't you? No, I've no idea, Chris. Go ahead. Because they pay them like shit. I mean, <laughs> they, they, make, they don't pay them so living wages. Minimum wage is here seven dollars and twenty-five cents an hour, which is still shit. It's poverty level stuff. But yeah. uh, waiters and waitresses, uh, they I think it's two twenty-five an hour. It's two thirteen an hour. Two dollars and thirteen wow. cents an hour is what they have to. So pay they them. have to make tips to make so up the rest of that. That's that how wage. they make their living is on those tips. It's really yeah, stupid. The other thing, the other thing, I'll be honest with you, was the guy behind the bar. I think it's in Piper Down. Is he a bit of a biker fella? I've never been there. I, don't, yeah. I, don't go I haven't been there for a couple of years. I'm old and it's expensive. Yeah, we was, we just drink at home where we can just drink as much as we want and then go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. It's a very true statement. <laughs> why, pay, why pay seven dollars for a pint when I can get a six pack for seven dollars? Plus, I don't drink beer. What I drink is expensive, and my drinks are like $12 a piece. I, I remember uh, the, the, the bar thing uh, was new, uh, paying paying in to see a band of no problem doing. Um, but I remember the girl saying to me in one of the pubs on St. Patrick's Day, she said, uh, it's, uh, it's $20 uh, in or, or, or 10 or I can't remember what it was. And I said, for what? And she said, it's St. Patrick's Day. And I said, I know. <laughs> I know it. The cover I know it's St. Patrick's Day. Who are you telling? And um, uh, I didn't. I didn't mean it in a bad way. Uh, but um, I, I remember that. And the, the fact that your things tend to close on time a little bit better than in it's Ireland. Legally, Ar- they legally have to. If they don't, they can get fined and shut down. Yeah, but in Ireland we can get legally fined and get shut down. But then you, there's also Arca one, just one. You know, okay, just one. <laughs> yeah, not here, not, not here. here. They'll, they'll, they'll do it. Yep. yep. No, it hasn't, hasn't gone entirely according to plan. Your donut shops. Uh, I know there was one donut shop I went to with Al Dine, and, and I could have. I, I've never wanted to scale like, it. Jess knows has got. A, I've got a soft spot for cake, but I've never um, wanted to scale a counter more and just lick all the donuts and then put them back in. <laughs> Uh, varying boxes and I can't remember the name of the place but I know it was near Gilgal and uh, the size of the vehicles that you have uh, Ireland is like uh, it was like as if I was in Land of the Giants uh, (laughs) when I saw some of the 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 Jeeps it was and and your your large coffee is really 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 (laughs) large Um, I've never been offered a pint of coffee before uh, until I until I arrived in Salt Lake City, and it it reminded me of the Bill Hicks joke. I think he did a, a gig somewhere, and they said, um, 
Uh, I don't want to do the accent because I'll only get it wrong. It'll sound like Chris doing an Irish accent. <laughs> do it. Was Pathetic. He was at one of the towns that he, he that that Hicks takes the mick out of, and um, <clears throat> they said to him, you know, do you want the big cup or the large? And he responds saying, uh, how big is that large? I'm not too sure. I want to be awake in X town for so long, and uh, uh, that's it. He goes off in the meander. But your your big cups are like. Oh, like yeah, like 24 huge. ounces, more than a pint, a lot more than a pint. It's more than a pint of Guinness. That's what I was thinking. It's I'm like going, why would I want to – I'd, I'd, I'd be – I'd have no eyeballs left if I drank that amount of coffee. <laughs> uh, that's normal, though. I mean, this pint and a half is, is not like uncommon this. for people to drink. Can you yeah, see I Justice drink... Cup? Yeah, I can see it. Yeah, I What's drink – the Mac Cafe? Yeah, they do relatively decent uh, coffee, don't they? Honestly, I don't know. Like I don't shit. drink coffee. I don't drink coffee or beer. I drink. Uh, I probably drink about a pint a day because I use a twenty ounce tumbler. I don't quite fill it all the way, but I use a twenty ounce cup. So Sean I'll drinks drink about, about half pint. cream, half that a day. Yeah. It's, <laughs> my daughters cream. drink coffee too, like it's going out of style. Hey, so did you? You were at your. Sorry to cut across you, Bree. You were at your football match this morning, which nope. is he says looking at the boaties and matching jerseys. We um, haven't gone yet. Look, oh, is that later on? Yeah, yeah, it's in a few hours. Yeah. Like it's at it's at one thirty. What time is it now? It's it's eleven. All right. So it's so in two and a half hours. So we'll leave here soon because we got to get there early because we have to watch warm ups. What are you doing? He's showing him the scarves. Oh. Showing all the football memorabilia. Yeah, yeah. The scarves. That's our stadium. Show him the stadium okay. picture. There you go. That's our. Oh wow, that's that our is stadium. that is impressive. That is impressive. <laughs> He's trying to talk to you, but not by the mic. Well, I don't know how many it, it's seats. It's like 20,000, 20, yeah, 20, and they've made some standing room. Um, anyway, it's it's awesome. But, yeah, it'll be our first home game in a couple hours here. Yeah, so I'm sure that our friends are there tailgating and probably going to be wasted. But we don't sit by them anymore. So that's all right, because now they won't spill beer on us. It's very different here. Everyone sits in the stadium. Uh, yeah, they don't. They don't. of sections that actually stand up. They'll, they only stand on, like, corner kicks, and if they think something exciting might be happening. So our section is standing only, and we just stand the whole game and Cheer. and yell and, and yell at the refs and tell them to do their jobs, and I like it. It's fun. The biggest, the biggest sport, funnily enough, out here is uh, Gaelic football and, and hurling, and uh, the Wait. main stadium. Go ahead, Chris. Sorry. Is Gaelic football the one where they like run around the field and they can kick the ball into the goal from like anywhere? Pretty much, yeah. It goes. You can you can bounce the ball on the ground and catch it. You can kick it from usually from foot to hand. So I would have been playing that at about five six years of age. And then hurling is the fastest field sport in that I'm aware of. The fastest field sport in in the world. So that's a small letter ball around better the size of a tennis ball. And uh, that's the one that I really would have played. But <clears throat> as I explained before, building gardens. Uh, with broken fingers and, and bust eyes is not really <laughs> I, I was going to, before I went to college I was having to ring people and say how you doing I'm due to go look at your garden tomorrow yeah I was playing a hurling match yesterday I've got two broken fingers and my eyes bust I wasn't in a fight just to let you know and depending on what part of Ireland they'd appreciate you'd almost have a, a greater regard because you were <laughs> playing hurling but some wouldn't then depending some wouldn't believe you but Crow Park will take uh, about 80,000 
thousand people, and the players are unpaid. And it's mm. a, it's considered an amateur sport. But if you see trying to get a ticket for that on, on uh, Cup Final Day, we were at the quarterfinals, the semifinals uh, in 2017, and we could not. We didn't expect them. We could not get one for the final. Wow, we're looking to get them for the semis. That's crazy. That's crazy. Mm. Well, so Peter, what were you gonna wait? What were you gonna say about our soccer game before I interrupted you? Do you remember? Well, I've never. No, I think the thing I was going to say was I've never been to uh, – it was probably one of the uh, things that I, I think I need to put on a – not I was going to say a bucket list, but it's not a bucket list. I've never been to a uh, an American sports a game, a, a, not so much a soccer game, but even the way you – I think if I was to say to anybody listening, you're coming to Dublin, I'd say, listen, get in and see – get into Crow Park, get in to see your hurling match if you can, if not a Gaelic football match. And, uh, and and just to put that in context, like my, my daughter will, will would play with the local club and has been for the last two years. So five years of age, she's down there. And that's the whole, that's the only sport that's played in this village. There is no soccer team, no rugby team, no tennis, no nothing. We've got a pitch and put club with uh, nine holes, by the way. And, uh, <laughs> but the cows uh, graze at the back of it. And so the... Normally the joke is, you know, when somebody says they've been playing pitch and put, you say, did you hit a cow on the forehead? And that's not that's not a joke. But outside of that, you've just got the Gaelic, um, you just got the Gaelic uh, football. But they do it. They, it's such it's a, such a huge part of the community all the way up, uh, straight the way through. But from four or five years of age, they'll do the uh, wee little kids on a Saturday. Uh, literally four years of age. You see those running around. Five years of age, they're being taught how to catch the ball, how to kick it, and six years of age, up through the academies and all at the far side. Everybody volunteers in. You know, it's just amazing to see, and then to see one one or two who you know who've grown up around you uh, playing in an All-Ireland final in front of 80,000 people. That's, wow, cool. that's that's a that's a source of pride. And that's as an Arsenal fan. But I still missed out. I guess the equivalent of that is probably... Uh, uh, and I, I don't want to. I'm not too sure whether any of you are fans because I haven't heard just talk much about it. But I, I think I would have loved to have gone to see a, a, a baseball game or an American football. I mean, even your college thing, your college football thing, is crazy in comparison. I've never yeah. uh, seen anything like. That. I've only heard stories about it, and I just don't know how you how you do that. Coming from a horticultural college where only 20 people graduated in year two, and the town around me didn't have uh, enough people to keep the primary school open, you know, that's that's two teachers and one principal. Uh, that's what we were talking, and then you'd go and see your colleges, and I'm going, holy bajoli, that's like, you know, it's Peter back in the big city again. Yeah. Don't go watch a baseball game, they're boring. Yeah. But American football is is an exciting game to go to. I can't the, being there live is exciting. Watching it on TV, I find to be boring, um, just because it's it's there's it's so delayed. Like there's just do a play, watch a commercial, listen to people talk about the play, watch the people reset, then maybe do another play, and then somebody's hurt. So anyway, I think you should go to see a soccer game here. Well, there's going to be a new Utah podcast curling team anyway, so... Uh... <laughs> i got to start practicing because I'm totally... The... Still are doing it. I mean, if you look at those Olympic athletes, athlete is a very loose term for the guys that are doing the curling, so... <laughs> I want to join your team. If we're doing that and moving to Salt Lake for an, inter an interim period of time, I, I, I don't know. I don't want to be involved in the sport because I'm not too sure. I don't want to pull a hamstring. Well, what we can do is I'll we'll go to Ireland and get citizenship because I don't think Ireland has any kind of curling team, so 
uh, we can be the Irish curling team. It'd be a lot easier wanna, than being an American curling team. Do you want to know a true story? Ireland's uh, Winter Olympics team, uh, their homecoming was delayed because of the snow. <laughs> that's a true story because we had storm emma i feel like they shouldn't have named it emma all of the people in scotland were calling it the beast from the east they should have just left it at that emma's too not cool i like the beast emma, from the though. east storm emma sounds good your lights went off peter your power out now uh, hold on a sec it's getting dark one sec hold on <laughs> are you in are you motion sense? No, I just it's, looked all of a sudden the light it's like dark. He's gotta start uh, up the generator. Yeah. I think the sun maybe went down. Oh, oh probably. He probably <laughs> did the, did the, He can't hear me, so did the sun go down? Sun's gone down, yeah. What time is it anyway? Did yes. you have to fire it's up the generator? Your time. Yeah, it's it's probably time <laughs> to wrap this up. So, Peter, if uh, we have we have listeners from all over the place, places like Ireland, um, yeah. and Canada, and and Brazil, um, <laughs> we do, we do. Nice. Um, how can people get a hold of you if they want to uh, pay you to come do a crazy garden or something? Uh, say that to me again. How, how, do they, <laughs> how do they get a hold of you if they want they want to pay you to come do a garden? How do they find you? Uh, just go to the, if it's the, the, the podcast on the landscaping are split two ways, um, for very good reason. So <laughs> one doesn't cross over the other. I guess one is, uh, the hobby as, as you will agree with as discussed earlier. Um, so just Google Sideshow or Garden, Sideshow Garden podcast. That'll, that'll get you that. Twitter, Twitter is probably the easiest way to get me. Uh, and the Facebook page is there and some, the iTunes and stuff and, if you're looking to get gardens built, you just put in Peter Donegan and gardens, and it, it'll come up. You'll find Donegan Landscaping there somewhere. And it's DonegaLandscaping.com uh, for yeah. for those of you yeah, that are the, curious. The podcast is probably more entertaining, uh, <laughs> yeah. but but it's not as entertaining as yours. Yours is a little bit different, and you, and you do the new Utah podcast garden slot on bees with uh, with Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> the best. Do. The best Best backup laugher in all of Salt Lake City. That's all I can say. Yeah. You got a you got a genius laugh though, Jeremy. Yeah, it's, thank it's pretty. You. Uh, yeah, you're welcome. It's pretty infectious. I'd I'd, I'd pay you to come and stand by me so my jokes would sound funny. Maybe Chris can put a laugh track together for you, and you just play it in the background of your show. Give me your ringtone. Yeah, What's that song? No, I'm not going to sing a song for you. It'll end up as some kind of. Uh, it'll end up as Jeremy's ringtone if I do that. <laughs> but no, no, you, but you do have it. You're, you're back to that again. I don't mean to overpay his compliments, but you're a, you're a shower of happy bastards, and you do it really good. I'm 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 privileged to be on your. Uh, it's a real privilege to be on 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 the show, which is. I'm I'm delighted that you that you asked me to come on on. Uh, and as I said to, to Al Dine, I'll say it again. I've I've un I've un uh, I've unfinished pints of Guinness in, in Salt Lake City is how I would like to call it at this moment <laughs> in time. So I'm due a return. We need to we need to make that happen. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll we'll do our best to, to get out there, have you come here and meet us, Peter, in person. Uh, thanks for joining us. It's been a a very fun talk. Look, you made it for two hours. Did I? I thought it was only supposed to be on for an hour. That's why I was goofing around with you at the start. I thought you'd done the intro bits already. I was just the no. infield. Then no, you went right. We're now going to start. Then I went, no. part of the intro. Yeah. Part of our intro. That's all right. That's uh, that's how the show goes. We that's like doing uh, four of your podcasts in one shot, dude. 
Do you know how hungover I feel right now? No, I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Peter. Uh, Excellent, lads. Appreciate it. Thanks, uh, Peter. Bye. Pleasure. Cheers, lads.